Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource to remind you that all is well and right in the world. We've got Ann Horn confirmed coming back, and it's just solidifies our, you know, our our defense, and you know we're gonna have the season that he's meant to have in the Cardinal of black. And he's going to lead us to the path of righteousness and everything good. And uh, I'm absolutely hyped and pumped after that announcement. I was, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit of a blessing that we're going to get him for an extra year with that, uh, with that, with that, um, that unfortunate injury. But uh, yeah, it's definitely going to work out in our favor. I think not only for, you know, this year, but you know, for, few years to come too with the extra development maybe for some of those players in the ushl um you know we got some good groupers coming up we'll talk all about that i'm weldy sitting here with andrew andrew do you remember where you were when you heard the andrew when you heard the and horn news yeah i was i was folding watershed laundry. moment in in life it, it was really folding is. folding laundry and um i, I had like a mismatch, the whites are the colors mismatch pair of socks like one was like a black sock and one was a white sock and I couldn't find the, the, uh, the matching uh, sock in either case. So I'm like, okay. do I just do both? Get, like do one black, one white. I got to I got to jump in here really quick. Socks, finding socks, the bane of my existence. Like, you know, if you ever think of having like really dumb superpowers, like what would be like the most like pointless, but powerful superpower, like in your own life, I think if I would never have to search for socks ever again, I think that would be it. If I like had one socks and the second one was just there because with three kids and myself, it's like, and then a dog who likes to just pick up and run with socks anywhere. Oh man. It gets so annoying. Socks are annoying. I putting <sighs> socks on. I'm getting really bad at as I age. It seems really? like because at least like the white gym socks, I tend to rip the like the heel of them when you, you you get to the ball in your foot, and then you you you, oh, man, you jerk it up with gusto, yeah. <laughs> and I, it rips all the time, and I'm like, God, here's another sock I I ruined. I I hate socks. Um, Interesting. I I don't I didn't have this on our bingo board that we were gonna start the we're, we're talking about socks. Uh, for the first four minutes of this show. What That's why your... people tune in because they never know what's going to yes, happen. It the... might be a wings reference. It might be mash. It might be cheers. It might be socks, you know? That's right. So that's never know. My socks always get holes like right in the, uh, right behind the toes. Like, I don't know what yep. that part of the foot is. Like that's where mine always get worn. Yeah. You, you got to wear socks too. It's, it's like a, yeah. a necessity, but they're, they're really quite a kind of a pain. If you think about it, so yeah. let's let's come up with something. I mean, unless you're like better. A, a sandals person, yeah. Uh, I mean, that, I, that I feel obviously like... works. If you're wearing regular shoes um, and you don't wear socks, you know, blister city. 
Yeah. Uh, and then just the sweat, and then you're taking now, your shoe off. Now we're talking off. about sweaty feet and yeah. blisters and corn. Shoe um, off, and then the cushion like comes halfway off your shoe, too. And then can you, you tell that, that we're in the summer podcast season? <laughs> See, and I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of you know the sandals and and whatnot, but I just have really ugly feet, so I gotta I gotta go back in and get a pedicure. I, I need to get, a, get another face. pair of sandals as well. So, thank you. For By the, the way, pair. if you get anything from this podcast other than my excitement for Anhorn coming back for another season, and and Okabe coming back too, yeah. two yeah. huge. By the way, I was right about pieces. the shotgun. The shotgun thing. See, I told you that yeah, that was true. the sign. That was, that the, was sign the sign that Anhorn was coming back. I don't. Know I hope why. he like incorporates that in some sort of goal celebration this upcoming year because it was oh. it was good. And we saw the Quinnipiac guy do the the Solani. Um, he did. Maybe he's taking notes and saying, I, "Okay, okay. I, I see you there, shotgun and I'll raise is. you. I'll raise you another shotgun." Uh, yeah, sure so yeah. Anyway. Uh, Anyway, just one. We're gonna put a bow here on the socks and feet uh, as the first part of the podcast. Um, just, uh, just you get part two at the end of the show. That, that, <laughs> that way, end. they'll that way they'll keep listening. Exactly, especially yeah. those foot people. Those foot people are dedicated too, <laughs> so they're gonna listen. <laughs> it's like, like, dude. I'll, I'll speak to the dudes here. The dudes listening to this podcast, dude, get a pedicure because they're awesome. Like, if you have a chance, just go in and get a pet. Like, even, you know, one of the any nail places that takes walking or what, just go ahead and get one. And I swear you will not regret it. And if you have a significant other, too, they'll they'll notice, too. And they'll be like, oh, it looks nice. And it's it's a great hour, hour 15, you know, whatever. Just a foot bath, foot massage grind down take like a sandpaper machine and maybe that's just me but anyway highly recommend pedicures everybody should get one at least try it yeah if you uh that, that sounds like a good idea if you have any good ones in the st cloud area let me know the names of them so i can reach out for some potential uh advertising Spon- yeah uh, opportunities yeah. uh okay i'll talk to uh uh well my my wife likes to go the day lily Day Lily. Uh, Day Lily. I think that's in Waite Park. Waite Park. Day Lily spot. Yep. Thank Um, you for the tip. Yep, exactly. So maybe we can talk to the people at Greedy St. Cloud also to get them on the. I don't I don't think think the guy I think think he's a big foot guy. So um (laughs) Larry, I know you're listening. (laughs) Let me know if you're a big foot guy. Let me know. So highly recommend pedicures. Anyway, Anhorn coming back. Um, really going to get some, uh, you know, leadership to that defensive core. And it's going to be an experienced defensive core as well. I would imagine he's going to be a captain um, uh, coming back. But um, it's uh, it, it was great to see. I'm excited to see him play for uh, another season here at, uh, at in St. Cloud. So, um what a God, I can't believe you called it too, especially with the uh with the whole shotgun with the crutch. So that was uh kudos on your part. Yeah, I so yeah, I, I think he um it 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 was a little touch and go there for a little bit because because he waited so long, it definitely did seem like he had to weigh some options there with some pro offers. Mm-hmm. 
and you know talking about how much his injury perhaps spared us of who knows what would have happened at the end of last year um, had he not gotten hurt, um, good or bad. Maybe because he's in the lineup, make a deeper run because potentially your best player. Maybe they do so well in the regular season that they become a one seed and then they do what they always do as a one seed and lose in the first round. That's another possibility in the oh, ultimate man. universe. We're, ju- we're just going alternate timelines. So you you have those spe- yeah, uh, uh, options to speculate, but I would have to say his getting injured probably gave us a whole other year. Because if yeah. he would have if he would have finished the year last year, at least on the on the trajectory that he was on, maybe even a little less than that, cooled off just a little bit. But he was on track for around a forty point season. I don't think it was anyway. He- he returns. He he's he's in the pros somewhere uh, as we speak. If that injury doesn't happen, so weird how karma can go against you in one case. In, in this case, the twenty two twenty three season, but it, it granted us him on the blue line for the twenty three twenty four season, and so uh, we'll see if that maybe is maybe the long game uh, shakes out the best way here for St. Cloud. And yeah, as you said, I, I can't. Uh, echo your enthusiasm enough uh, of, of him returning here. It's, I mean, just with that return and Okabe, as you said as well, I mean, this makes my confidence about this team that much more solid. Without those guys coming back, I'm going to be thinking about another one of these, I don't know, fourth, fifth place teams. We don't know what we exactly got. Uh, with, with the, with those two coming back, I, I would, I'm, confident at this very very early stage that that they're a top four team in the conference and you know legitimate le- legitimate uh contenders for for penrose so long way to go from there or until we get to, to knowing how that all shakes out but um with those guys in the stable much better i'm feeling much better about the team uh so yeah uh, thrilled that he is back And Okabe was one uh, as well that, you know, I'd have to go back and listen to my, you know, maybe season prediction or, um, you know, what some of the earlier episodes is that Okabe, I always thought was, you know, a nice player, um, but never really set the world on fire for me. Um, this season, I definitely think he did turn a corner. Uh, 18 you know nearly a 20 goal season um which i kind of look as a kind of a benchmark as a like a top tier type of a season as far as goal scoring wise if you hit 20 goals that's incredibly impressive um in this day and age of hockey obviously and in college hockey um so uh but yeah uh seeing the steps that he've made um on all facets all sides of or, you know, all ends of the rink as well. It was, you know, seeing him come back, it, it it really makes me feel a little bit easier about that front end just because we have so many question marks when it comes to that. Um, and, you know, some of the, the people that we do have that are in, you know, 
you know, obviously they're young when I'm talking about like a Sean and a coin and whatnot, you know, we don't know exactly know what we have in them yet, but, um, you know, losing a lot like we did down the middle and then having, but having that senior leadership come back for another year, um, you know, with Anhorn and Okabe, that's, I think going to be, you know, a huge step for some of those younger players to, uh, you know, really go ahead and, um, take that next step and hopefully elevate their game here for, for this season. So it definitely raises my expectations of what next season's going to come for the Huskies. Yeah, indeed. Uh, agree with your sentiments about Okabe as well. He's really grown into a, one of the, one of the better players on this team and his role will be that much more elevated. Maybe I feel that way, especially when you eliminate North Dakota. Yeah, I think that goes a long way. It certainly does. Uh, And I'm wondering if, you know, two thirds of that international exchange line will be returning with him and Mietnin. Mietnin as well. I mean, another guy that didn't need to come back, but he did. Um, 30 point player, frustrations and all. That'll play. Uh, And wondering if they're going to keep those two together. Werner now, Werner plays center. Is that correct? Correct. So, I mean, maybe you just retool, refashion the international line. Two Mietnins and an Akabi. Um, that sounds like a, like a 90s CBS sitcom. Two Mietnins and an Akabi. Um, starring... Uh, um, James Van Der Parker, Parker Posey. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be Sorry. interesting. We're talking two, about centers. Two guys, a girl, and a pizza two, place, pizza right? Place. And then... <laughs> I think they they just just, then shortened it. They got the way to just shortened it. (laughs) And then then it went to two broke girls and then (laughs) three men and a baby. And uh, no, I'm, I'm way off track now after I I drop a Steve Gutenberg movie. I think I'm going (laughs) off the rails here. Yeah, anyway, and you didn't if mention if you wonder if you ever wonder if three men and a baby holds up, does not. <laughs> so, just a quick fun fact for everybody. I can't actually say that I haven't watched it lately. Why would I have watched that lately? That sounds like a terrible idea. But they got you a know, sequel. Do you know three who directed? Do you know who directed uh, Three Men oh, and a Baby? Please, I don't, Leonard Nimoy. Oh wow, Spock. He and I incredibly sh- random. Uh, he and I oh, uh, have the job. same birth date, March twenty sixth. Oh, there you go. It's like the only other notable celebrity with a March twenty sixth birthday. So, and before the show, I mentioned I dropped a, a beam me up Scotty reference for someone that has never watched Star Wars, Star Trek. This is a pretty good Star Trek quotient day for me. <laughs> Which is really ironic because we're recording this on May 4th. So we're recording this on May the 4th, be with you, on Star Wars Day. And here we are talking all the Star Trek. Um, I do have to say, like, Go Huskies Woo especially. I mean, he's I believe he's a big Next Generation and Picard fan. Um, yeah, I literally have so. never seen. I've, not, I've, I've tried to watch Star Wars, the original. I've tried to watch it twice. I've never been able to get through it. I haven't so watched e- a wait, second of any. The fir- oh. their vi- the very first Star Wars. So then I didn't see Empire Strikes Back. Never seen Return of the Jedi. When Phantom Menace came out, I saw that twice in the theater. 
Oh um, my god! I'd but then this. I didn't see. I haven't seen any of the other ones. So, wow. in my entire life, start for Star Wars, I've seen Phantom Menace twice. And this about is blowing fifty my minutes mind. of the original. So, and I haven't watched a second of any Star Wars property, the TV okay, show, so, any of the movies, none of that. Well, I mean, so fifty minutes of the original, and you just. Nope. I was really young. I was really young. I, fe- I figured I was like in the prime age to really get into Star Wars, probably 12 ish. And yeah. I just couldn't just couldn't do it. Um, but then for some reason, the uh, the Phantom Menace, I, I, I like that enough. I, I was going with friends like they wanted to go somewhere. And I was just I was within walking distance from a movie theater. I would go to all kinds of movies back in like the late 90s uh, as like a 14 year old. Um, so it's not like I really, oh, but I, I think I liked it. I, I I don't really remember much of it, but I, I didn't hate it for sure. Um, so maybe one of these days I'll get into it. Like I, a lot of those sci-fi, high fantasy, I've never seen any Lord of the Rings. Um, it, 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 maybe wow. one day I'll some sometime get into it. Game of Thrones, zero interest. Um, but um Again, I don't know how we like like, got on, like on do you this. just three minutes doesn't matter whatever off season. But like this this is fascinating to me. <laughs> like so so do you just need your like media to be grounded in more of a reality? Pretty sense? much, yeah. Like, I, I'm I'm the okay. human, the world's most boring human. Uh, essentially, I needed to be grounded in some sort of reality. Like it, it Back to the Future, probably my favorite okay. film franchise as as a kid, and I still like it. That's how, I mean, time travel is not possible, but it's grounded in a world where it doesn't exist. And these are people reacting to the novelty of something that is so different from what reality is. When you're just, uh, you're inventing your own planets with their, or your own rules and it's just not grounded in any reality, it's, it seems cheating to me. Um, so, cheating? Uh, I just have never really... I never really grasped it, even though I know that Star Trek in particular is like, it's all like social issues wrapped up in genre. Yeah, very um, much so. so yeah. yeah uh, like I said, I'm not completely averse to it. I just, I would rather watch a lot of other stuff before uh, I get to that. So would you say like, I'm I'm trying to like phrase this question where it would make sense. Like, is there a, like where's the farthest you go when it comes to a make-believe world like like like, i guess just give me some examples and i'll tell you what my line is um did you watch did you watch heroes at all no okay yeah the the likely answer when you say like how about this Uh, my likely answer is didn't see it no no interest um, any, anything along like the Avatar, lines of like... Avatar I saw. I couldn't tell you one thing about it. Um, I oh, saw fair. it in the movie theater. Um, but I saw it because it's like it had so much hype, like the biggest movie of all time. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, it just it sort of bounced off me like Teflon. Um, uh, I'm trying to even think of like those, those sort like of Like any movies. of the Marvel I've, I've, I've never seen any Marvel anything? movie. I've never okay. seen a single Marvel, Marvel movie. Yeah, like I said, I, I am not particularly exciting wow. uh, as a human being, but um, just being honest, I suppose. No, no, that's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge, but it's uh, it's just surprising to go as far as you have in your adult life and just have 
Well, like, I guess you're the tangentially aware of like the references and things like that, but like sometimes just, some of them, yeah, yeah. Like, I know something about like the Guardians of the Galaxy. Don't they have like that? They play like um, a lot of seventies music or something like yeah. with their soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm aware of that. I'm aware that there's something called Groot. I don't know exactly what that means. You don't um, know what a Groot is? Okay. It's person, I place, Groot. or thing. I couldn't tell you which one it is, but I know that that's out there. Um, uh, uh, Thanos. Isn't he like the god from the Avengers or like a bad guy or something? I, I've heard the name. I know it's something. I think Josh Brolin had a part in playing him or voicing him or something. Yeah, yep. So I I, I, yep. I, I can glean some of these things. I just, I don't really have the interest to actually consume it myself. But, um, but yep, please tell me um, which of these is the most egregious cultural gap of mine that I need to rectify as soon as possible. As soon as I'm done watching uh, my 1971 through 73 films, which I'm kind yeah. of getting tired of, to be honest. Um, okay. So I'm starting trying to move on from that, but um, we're watching this network? thing called network was Net- 76. Great movie. Oh, okay. when I was in, when I was going to St. Cloud, you can ask my full, former roommates get drunk. And I would spout the rants that the newscaster, uh, <laughs> Would, Howard Beale on uh, Howard Beale. Uh, yeah. I would do that like at two o'clock in the morning, uh, shouting into the void, um, the Howard Beale-isms. Um, but if anybody uh, has a chance to watch Network, yeah, it's phenomenal and it speaks so true today, too, which is even eerily more similar or scary. Yeah, but, it is good. Okay. So that okay, so I, I would say like egregious, I mean. I mean, Star Wars is a big one. If you want to say, like, just front to back, what's the best? I mean, obviously, Star Wars now is getting into its whole huge, expansive universe where there's just 12 movies or something like that now, you know, um, with the whole Star Wars story and now all the TV shows, some are better than others. But, I mean, just... I mean, just going front front to back, Lord of the Rings. I mean, Lord of the Rings is is top notch when it comes to film trilogies. It's really good. So All right. that's that, that that, is that's what I would say. Just try that one first. Well, can I just try one first? Because they're like four hour movies, right? So as long as I'm going to commit uh, no. to twelve hours, I'll commit to the first one, and maybe if I okay find that yeah. worthwhile, then I'll explore the others. But yeah, my advice to you, and it's a little bit actually going against the grain. Um, do not do the extended versions. Just do the yeah, theatrical. Don't. Yeah, yeah, the theatrical releases of Lord of the Rings. I think that sums up everything just fine. There's only one instance of, or one scene I think is actually pretty key that was in the theater or in the extended that they cut out for a weird reason. Um, but that's if you get to return of the King, but I mean, the theatrical, I mean, yeah, you're, I mean, it's two and a half hours or so for the first two. And I think the third one is three fifteen or so, but it's a quick, I mean, like it gets moving. So it's, I I would say start there and then report back. Okay. You got a month. 
might do that. <laughs> I'm writing it down right under the Daylily Spa. Perfect. Thank you. Got it. So. Uh, so I'm worried about center depth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, I, so back to well, the fish story. <laughs> remind me what centers we got. I mean, so. Right now, Salquist. Salquist and like, I really. Asterix. I really wouldn't be surprised. I, I would almost like, I don't know. I don't know what kind of odds you'd get on it, but I wouldn't be. I, I, I would almost kind of bet if if the odds were decent that Ingram is going to play the majority of his year next year at center, um, just because he's not going to be a freshman. Like we've yeah. talking about Ryman coming in as a center. We just mentioned Werner Mietnin. Um These are freshmen, and yeah, they're going to get their draw their their fair amount of center action. But as far as like we mentioned, Solquist, you know, and then Ingram maybe. Um, but like, who's gonna who's gonna go on the top line out of those guys? I don't see Salquist as a top line guy. Although we we know how much Larson likes Salquist, so don't put that out of the realm of possibility <laughs> that he's your opening day. He takes the first draw of the year um, on the top line. Uh, oh, but uh, you know, I mean, guys I'm like Rosborough, train I, I, like, my eyes to roll back that hard <laughs> if that is going to happen, and it it is. I know just it will. I, it it will happen. That's going to be like your first, like if we ever talk about predictions for next season, number one is going to be Salquist first face off draw. Wouldn't it be wild if Salquist had like a twenty point year next year? God, I would I would happily eat so much crow if he gets a twenty. <laughs> if he has a twenty point season, he's in MVP territory for me for this team. He's getting an MVP nom at the at the second annual Herbie's. Um, because uh, maybe that probably a, maybe I mean that probably if he's means, our MVP. I think we're gonna have a lot of troubles. I think it'd be a good thing if he. Had I, I mean, maybe like a most improved, like or biggest. Surprise. We don't have that's not a that's not a current Herbie. Well, we can add. This is like the Academy Awards here. We could just add and remove categories. That's Would it be fine. the Tony Mosey most improved? Oh, there we go. <laughs> the Tony Mosey Award. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm thinking about other guys currently on roster. Rosborough has taken some center. I mean, some, if we're, he's if had we're going actually center. like most improved, like in not a joking tongue in cheek sort of way, it'd probably be the Craig Gaudet award. It's, <laughs> the, it's a nice pull. <laughs> the guy who has like four games in this first three seasons, all of a sudden scores like what? Three, four points in his first weekend series. <laughs> His senior year, and then just doesn't get taken out of the lineup. That's yeah. uh, that's what I feel would be the most improved. But boom, got it. New category next year, most improved. Yes, which and which Craig, Craig a day. If we want to go, if we want to go uh, retroactively, then uh, the award winner I think would be Okabe then for most improved. We're, we're uh, doing this on the fly. I think Kubka Kubka would get some votes. Yeah. Oh, Peart. Ah, uh, Peart. I would vote for either Kupka or Okabe. Uh, okay. Over Peart? He was yeah. really improved from last year. Nah. <laughs> really improved. Yeah. Really? I mean, you remember, you remember game two against Duluth in the playoffs where he, like, assisted on Duluth's <sighs> third goal by giving up a pass right to the uh, the slot in the defensive yeah, zone? 
we can cherry pick bad plays all the time. I would say those three would probably be the finalists. Maybe maybe Spalacy. He had 12 points and we weren't expecting that out of him. I don't think, but I'd say the three that we just mentioned are probably the, all right. Well, everybody three. cast your votes. Let me know next, uh, for put next a Twitter podcast. poll for that. Put a Twitter mm, poll. We'll give them the, crack yeah, we'll give them the, the belated, the belated, uh, Herbie, <laughs> but it'll be in the mail for, um, him. we have to also clear it with, uh, good and his agent to make sure we can use his naming rights. Nobody else had a problem, but who knows? Yeah, so as far as centers, I, I mentioned, I've tried to mention <laughs> twice before you've cut me off. Just, uh, just jumped right in. Back to the fish story. Sorry. This, uh, you know, Rosborough has some center experience, and on paper, he feels like he would be uh, serviceable there, but uh, he just, he hasn't done a whole lot and, and was benched for a lot of the, the later part of the season after a couple of rough performances. Maybe they give him a, a deeper look at center. Other, otherwise, I mean, who else we got in the pipeline as far as centers go? Mentioned Ryman. We mentioned Mietnin. Is there anyone else that I'm missing um, from guys? Uh, Tyson commits? Gross. Tyson Gross, that's right. And he is definitely coming in. Um, so mm-hmm. we're mentioning the guys that are probably going to get some extended looks at, at the center position. And probably a good idea to have more than four because you're – you're, you're going to probably cycle through them and see what, see what works, see what doesn't have a competition. And that's why I think we're going to have Ingram Ingram at wing first is because we're going to have more centers and then it gives us that added flexibility, which is always. Let's see too. Like I, 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 the reason I'm kind of confident about Ingram is it's, you know, talking about what centers like their responsibilities are. Yes. It's taking face-offs. Um, but it's more, much more than that. I mean, it's it's your best skater as far as your forwards go. Um, best skater on the team. Best skaters are generally your defensemen. Is among, among the forwards. Best skaters are are your centers. They do a lot of do a lot more work. They're um, you know instrumental in creating you know in, in creating transition breakouts and, and all that kind of stuff. And so you just want your your best skaters to to take that responsibility because it's a lot more work, um, and that's why I, I do think that Ingram has the skating ability to shoulder the load. But um, if he's better suited at the wing, which he was this year, um, then obviously if you're going to get more offense out of him, I'd prefer I'd prefer the spot that 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 gives uh, that produces the most points out of Ingram, but. Just, I don't think that the position is something that he can't handle. And um, I'm curious if that's a, a position where now with a little bit more experience, he's got the first year jitters all under his belt, let's hope. Um, let's see if he's ready for a, for that sort of increased responsibility. I think it's, I think he's got it in him. So um, I, yeah, curious I how that, how, curious how that all plays out. But uh, yeah, I mean, Working, expecting a lot of freshmen to uh, pick up some of this the center uh, production as well, and that's always tricky to uh, predict who's going to really emerge out of that group uh, as far as like a steady, consistent performer at that position. 
it's a little surprise. You know, we can transition this into talking about the new transfers that new transfers picked up. Mm-hmm. I was a surprise. So they got Nick Ports uh, from North Dakota and Carl Falk from uh, Alaska Fairbanks. Falk defense. Carl. Uh, uh, Ports, uh, a winger. When Ports entered the portal, I was sort of like, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up in St. Cloud because he is a, a local kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hearing that he was, he was coming into the fold, not surprising. However, it sounds like he's not center at all. Um, he's a winger. And I was a little surprised that if we're dipping into the portal, I figured that defense made sense because we were talking about possibility of having a pretty young point next year or bringing in a lot of point men, young point men next year, uh, freshman uh, D next year and having a veteran presence is a good idea to have. But I would also say the most glaring need from the forward position would have been a center because as we're talking about, we just don't have the numbers and plus having a more veteran presence like a Crookshank, not that you're going to pick up one of those guys every year, but he was like the perfect fit for the team last year. And someone in that mold, not necessarily a 30 plus point player, but someone in that mold would have made more sense. Ports not, doesn't sound like he's going to play any center for you. Uh, that was a little disappointing just that they didn't add another center guy. And I suppose there was more time if they really wanted to, to, to pick up a, the, the portal is still available for, for guys, but it's dwindling in numbers and it will, it will close at some point. I'm not sure the exact close date, July 1st, maybe. Um, I think the date to enter the portal is either up or close to being up. There is a window where you need to get into it uh, by a certain date, but then it does stay open until another certain date uh, wherein that action then will close. So there is still, I guess, a possibility that they do pick up a, a center, um, from that avenue. But let's talk a little bit about uh, Ports and Falk um, because it's always interesting dipping into the portal again, something that Larson has done, you know, every pretty much every year since this has been a thing going back to Cockrell and uh, Donahue in the 2020 prior to the 2020, 2021 season, picking those guys up guys got uh, picked up Spalacy the next year. Picked up, obviously, Anhorn and Crookshank last year, Bassey as well. And now you got uh, Falcon Port so far this year coming in the portal. So he's always been uh, very active uh, in the transfer portal. And it's he's played it to his advantage. He's He's got a uh, – if you add up the, pl- the ads and the subtractions, Larson comes out a winner when it comes to the transfer portal because – He's lost guys, but they're always, they've been the guys like Chase Brand and Brady Zimmer, who we lost this year. Those guys actually might be like the most high profile guys they have lost to the, to the portal. In the past, it was more guys like Thomas Rocco and uh, Joey Lamaru. Um, but, uh, and, and not to say that Brand and, and Zimmer didn't have any value, but uh, I do think that uh, getting a, you know, especially as bulk, uh, the, resident Zemer fan club of this podcast. Right. Too. That's true. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, what, what are you thinking? Like ports, you know, two years in, in North Dakota with the, uh, the hated green um, didn't put up a ton of points uh, for UND, but he was basically a fourth line guy. Um, 
healthy scratch a lot of the time. I know he scored a, at least a goal or two against St. Cloud. Um, and, but, uh, so I'm not sure exactly what to expect from him. I don't, we shouldn't expect a Crookshank type of contribution no. from him, but you know, maybe a 10, 15 point season, something like that. It's always nice. I, I always like the idea of having a local guy uh, on the team. Maybe that's too, I don't know, conventional wisdom or traditional of me, but I, I always had a soft spot for the, uh, um, Peck Scamp and Spencer Meyer, and Johnny Swanson. Johnny Swanson. Uh, I know there's more that we're forgetting. Al Will Hammer. Um, but it's always nice to have a, a local guy on the team, I think. And and so uh, happy to, to get him in the fold. And then I think this Carl Falk's pretty intriguing as well. Um, you know, more of a defensive defenseman, stay-at-home guy for Alaska. Um, obviously, they had an interesting year this past year. Um European, it was a Swedish finish. I think somewhere in the Scandinavia uh, part of the world. Uh, you can fact check that on me if you'd like, uh, Rand McNally. But um, but it seems like it seems like a guy that uh, knows his role. And um, I, I don't ex- like I said, I don't expect him to be like a Donahue or Anhorn type of transfer where they're going to be quarterbacking a power play unit here. Uh, he seems more in the mold of, uh, you know, kind of like a Zemer. Uh, if maybe like, maybe like a better Zemer, uh, if, if we're going off of not watching him at all, at really. all, <laughs> um, but uh, just reading a stat line and getting a bit of a idea of the narrative to what to, ex- of what to expect. So ports and fall. That was a solid, thoughts. And that um, Alaska squad also was a solid Alaska squad. I believe they were the last one out, I think. Um, or... Yeah, they they were knocked out so. the last day of the, the last day of uh, conference uh, tournaments. Um, so. so, yeah. Um, and they lost, they lost a fair amount of uh, – they had an active transfer portal themselves, and we saw this last year as well when they had not as good of a year, but, uh, you know, a, an average to slightly above average year last year. Um, and having guys use that decent year as a springboard to uh, another program. Uh, eight guys from Alaska this year into the transfer portal. So, I mean, that's second most in the country. And, you know, Providence, Northeastern, and Wisconsin with nine. Guys in the transfer well, portal. Well, uh, I don't know if you're in midseason form here, or you're a little rusty, but nine uh, <laughs> players from those schools. Thank, Thank you. you. I need I need the second cue because I I, was, I, uh, I, 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 I kind of threw that out there without warning. Um, so, but glad to know you're still on your toes. I mean, a little uh, bit of a uh, little bit of a. Uh, do you know how many uh, Wisconsin, for instance, has? I, I guess I could have tap danced that. You know, you could have. Then I could get the right tab open for that. But I, I could have. But okay. we're it's off season. Whatever. That's right. right? That's yeah, right. Hey, uh, by the way, just uh, just going back quickly, women's hockey actually the portal ends today. Okay, um, I knew it was sometime like in May. Women's uh, hockey ended uh, today or in the past. Uh, if you're, you know, when you're listening to this, May fourth was when that closed. Um, men's ice hockey ends May 18th. Okay. 
So that's uh, two weeks or so from recording. Um, but the 18th is when um, is the last uh, day to dive in. So, yeah, um, there's still there's still some some talent out there to be had. Uh, you know, three defensemen right now. Oh yeah, 20 plus points uh, that are still uncommitted, including Brandon Cope from Air Force, who uh, Hastings, Minnesota kid. My dad coached him. Oh, um, nice. And he's got 24 points. I'm surprised he hasn't found a place yet. But um, he's oh, getting wined and dined right now, maybe. Perhaps. You know, yeah. just. Hey, there's Carson Briere from Mercyhurst is in the portal. Yeah, no baggage attached there. No baggage there. Just. Uh, you gotta, it's a good. That's a good pedigree. That Briere name, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, I don't know. It's synonymous with hockey. It's like Granado for instance, like it's uh, it goes a long way in Uh, hockey circles. Woof. So, um, yeah, I was, you know, Falk, that's uh, I thought that was a a great addition. Um, You know, obviously we're losing uh, with Meyer, uh, you know, we're going to be losing a little bit when it comes to that uh, defensive prowess. So I think uh, him coming back or, um, you know, having somebody kind of step in for that, I think is, is good. Another, like I said, he, you know, Alaska was a solid team coached really well. So I think that's um, going to be just, a, just a benefit there. Uh, Ports has the ability to score. Um, he was a pretty good scorer in the USHL um, just hasn't manifest to the college game quite yet. Uh, so it'll be interesting if, uh, you know, how kind of help Brett, Larson uses him and how um, he kind of uh, jumps into the role here and maybe just kind of a, a scene change is what's needed. We saw, you know, North Dakota. I mean, a lot of players jumped into that portal from North Dakota. So it's, you know, you know, I, I mean, I'd love to just speculate on what the culture is like there uh, because that's always fun, but it, um, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm excited. I'm very intrigued uh, when it comes to that. Um, but also, you know, I did expect maybe one more person to kind of come in. Um, and that's kind of where we're sitting at right now. And we can speculate right now if we want to move over to the to the freshman of, you know, possibly coming up because I've got about I think I've got four freshmen coming in. Maybe five. I mean, I guess it's gonna be more than that. But yeah, I just yeah. wanted to mention. Just want to mention first, um, Carl Falk is Swedish. Uh, did want to check on that. Interestingly, he is. He's got a twin brother, Simon Falk. Simon, yep. Also is in the portal right now. Mm-hmm. You look at their elite prospects page; they're almost identical because they played on every team, going back as far as far back as 2014. Uh, is what elite prospects has played all their junior uh, hockey youth hockey in Sweden together played with the Minnesota magicians and the NAHL together uh, and then went to Fairbanks together surprised that this wasn't a package deal like getting both of them in Um, or or that they would be willing to go to different maybe maybe they're just sick of each other it's like I don't want to see anymore Uh, we want to get free of each other uh, but uh, interesting that there is another Falk still out there, uh, also a uh, Alaska commit. But yeah, I I it, did think that like there would have been an outside chance that maybe we're just waiting on something for that announcement to kind of drop. But 
when reading the the Rink Live article about fall commitment, it you know just it, it just sounded like nope, it's uh, we're just splitting up type of thing. It was just like, yeah, it's gonna be a little bit weird that he's not on the team anymore. But we're we're I'm kind of excited for you know something new. So it's you know I just found that kind of interesting. And I hope that all of our listeners are glad and talking me, Mr. 70s cinema guy. We've gone this whole time and I've never even made a Peter Falk reference talking <laughs> about folks. So do not paint me in a broad brush. Um, I am not just a uh, pretty face here. So, but yes, I, I am a big fan of Peter Falk's um, screen presence and, uh, we have a whole season or two actually, because it looks like he's got two more years of eligibility uh, for me to make Columbo references. Oh, sure so, enough. Oh, buckle and, uh, up for just, those. Just, just, uh, just one more thing. <laughs> um, uh, so it's, um, yeah, uh, we were talking and yeah, one more thing. Yeah. Peter Falk was just so much uh, better at it than I am right now. Cause we were. See, I don't know if you're doing a bit right now. Uh, no, but no, this is totally good. forgot my train of thought. Well, we were talking. God, about... Is this what it's like when I always interrupt you? God, that's annoying. Jeez, <laughs> I imagine being a listener. Uh, <laughs> think of how what Dan Jackson thinks. I mean, he's got to be completely <laughs> lost. Um, he he either turned it off after the sock conversation or turned it up. I don't know which one he went. He's like, this is the content I'm here I bet for. he's, I bet Dan Jacobson is, is one of those. Cause if you ever hear these, or maybe you do this. Um, I've never done it, but listen, like one of the people that listen to podcasts at like four times the speed, um, because they want to get through it really yeah. quick. Yeah. I bet no. that's Dan Jacobson. Yeah. That's I bet he's at one of the, tell us Dan, Dan Jacobson, if that, if you listen four to times. podcasts how, not how, at, at regular speed. How how higher is my octave at four times speed when it's kind of just going through? I sound like a chipmunk. I'm sound like Theodore when I'm talking. Um, it's no, I like when I listen to audiobooks or whatnot. Well, like when I'm doing editions, I'm at like one point two five, and I max out there. Like I can't even do one point five for audiobooks. Maybe a podcast I could do it because there's a little more banter usually with the podcast that I listen to. But even then, it's like I gotta, I gotta have my brain gotta process what's being right. so I can't, I can't do the two times speed or anything yeah. like. that. I went to St. Cloud State. I need things slowed down at a uh, comfortable the speed Harvard and the level. That's right. I, I, I need every uh, bumper on me to to help me along here. We were talking about um, recruits. Yeah, we were talking and then about I interrupted recruits. you about the Peter Falk thing. Well, I did want to say about Ports and Falk, one added benefit uh, of having them take up a roster spot is that you don't have to rush two guys um, from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, We were talking about, specifically the last time, maybe two times, two shows ago. The last show seems like two months ago at this point for me. but uh, So I'm not sure when we talked about recruits in depth, but... Talking about a lot of young guys on the back end in, in among the recruits. Guys like Warren Clark, who I've heard his name mentioned in some draft, uh, like mock drafts, um, perhaps expect him to go in the mid to late rounds uh, in this year's draft uh, uh, as a, I think he's 18, 
Mm-hmm. Um, don't need to rush him now. Um, got Bufflin as well. Another guy that's too young probably. And we can, we don't have to worry about rushing him. Uh, you got the, uh, Caleb Tyson or Tyson. However, we're deciding on, uh, pronouncing his, his name. Um, he will definitely be coming in because he's age restricted. He's got to come in, uh, from the back end. Um, and as far as the other defense, just pulling it up right now, uh, Garuba, we think is coming in. Um, I mean, he, he has more, uh, uh, juniors eligibility, but I think his stock is rising to the fact, and I think he's ready. He's playing with Fargo right now. Who's, who's making a deep run in the USHL playoffs. Um, I think they're in the Western conference finals or Western division or something. I, I'm, I'm not, uh, super well-versed uh, on my USHL geographical uh, layout, um, but I know that they're, they're deep in the playoffs and Gruba is a big part of that. I would expect him to come in drafted player with some hype and he's late bloomer seems that he's capable of, of coming in next year. Um, but then yeah, Clark and Bufflin. Uh, and then we got you know, Tanner Hendricks, but he's 16 in California. No chance. He's obviously coming in. So it just might be those two, this way, this this way with bringing Falk in, you don't have to rush Clark or Bufflin, um, and yeah. you can have them get another year of seasoning uh, in the uh, in the jun- in the junior ranks. Um, is that going to be so? If there's if that's the three, so Falk, Tyson, and Gruba. So then, who else do we got? So we got Anhorn, Lutke. Uh, uh, Wiley, Wiley, Reiners, Reiners. So that's seven. So, so that's the thing is like when I, when I was going through like the recruits, I was like, we're we're one short, and obviously, elephant in the room, we still don't know Trey Ballstead. Right, that's correct. So, Nick Hatton seems to be thinking that it's a foregone conclusion he's not coming back, but yeah. we haven't heard one way or the other. I think that maybe it was the Anhorn article, or perhaps the Falk slash Ports article. He was basically saying that he wasn't even factoring in Trable as a possibility for next year. But we still haven't heard a, a, a definitive answer one way or the other. I'm surprised we haven't. I mean, it's if he was if he was going to sign a pro deal, uh, you'd think that whoever wanted him, either a European league or an American league, could use him for their playoff run uh, if they were planning on if they were interested in him. And the fact that he's still unsigned is. I don't know. Odd. Uh, and well, so well, maybe is just moving on with his career. He good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just, not everybody goes, goes in, pro in hockey. Yeah. So, and, and speaking of that, I, we're, I had mentioned, cause I know on senior night, they announced Anhorn's major as liberal arts. I only remember that because I didn't know that liberal arts was a major. But no, Hatton's piece stated that he's kind of far from a liberal arts major. He's a neuroscience major. Uh, smarty pants, uh, Dylan Anhorn is, uh, as it turns out. And uh, he'll be uh, taking a grad, taking grad courses in sports management. So um, whatever information that uh, our, our friend of the show, Jason Bryant, had when he announced the major on senior night, that was incorrect. Um, so good to know that he is uh, he is a little smarter than the average bear, 
and we got a neuroscientist running our top uh, power play unit. It's like, uh, what was it, Bobby Gepford on senior night? I think it was elective studies was his major. That's essentially what I think that so. what I would imagine a liberal arts major is. There was a couple of those. Maybe, maybe they just didn't know. Maybe Jason Bryan didn't know, and he was just tap dancing and just um, throwing out uh, oh. random random majors. But uh, yeah, I, he probably so that, has a whole story about what happened and and. Or he well, just it's most likely like, that I, someone I gave him some wrong card, information yeah. on the sheet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, it makes sense, you know, the shotgun approach. I don't, when, when he's doing the shotgun thing, I'm not, my first thought is not neuroscience. And so I can see where, where uh, that, that was a surprise. Well, I mean, he was at Union, which is like a hoity-toity engineering school. So um, they don't, I mean, it's, it's not quite the Harvard of, uh, central New York, but, um, the East. Yeah, but it's, it's close. So good, good to, good to know all those things, um, that we just said. Yep. But yeah, that, so that leaves seven defense. So it's like, I mean, we're not rolling with seven and especially with Anhorn who maybe it's not fair to call him injury prone after one injury, but uh, I mean, just, we got to go with at least one more. We gotta, right. we have to have some kind of buffer there. So then the decision comes in or the discussion comes in. Where do you go? Do you go portal for a defenseman or do you bring in Bufflin or Gruba? Because I think those are kind of your, your main options. You know, Clark just got selected, you know, in the USHL. Uh, I think water. Well, in my seven, I don't remember in my seven, I was including Gruba in that seven. So I think the I think the you'd be going into either Clark or Bufflin if you want to bring in another recruit for your eighth defenseman. No, you have Lutke, Wiley, and Horn, Falk, Reiners, Peart. Oh, Peart! I was I'm forgetting Peart. So and yeah, Tyson, right? Yep. So I was for, I was forgetting Peart for some reason. Oh. So okay. Again, I I would I would think that Gruba is coming in. I, I have no inside information about that, obviously. But I feel like his stock has risen to the fact that I think he's ready. Um, and Leo Gruba, if you're listening to the podcast, if you want to let us know if you're coming in, I um, you can find me at the Daylily Spa getting a pedicure. So, uh, yeah, just uh, let me know. Appreciate it. Yeah, and I suppose... <laughs> yeah, I suppose if you're, if you're getting it, if you're dipping into the portal again, that might keep Gruba back. Maybe they think that it's a, that it would be valuable for him to get another year in, in the junior ranks. I mean, he, they, they recruited him out of the NHL last year, right around this time last year. Mm-hmm. And then he got drafted or he was, did not get drafted. I'm sorry. Um, there was rumors that he could get drafted, but then moved up to the USHL for this year. As I said, he's kind of a late bloomer. Um, and he's kind of, it's like I said, stock has risen pretty significantly. So I, again, I, I just, I think he's, and he could, he might get drafted this summer as well. I like, I, I would almost expect that. And so I think he's a guy that you want to bring in because he's, he could go a lot of places that would give him prime playing time. And so I would bring him in, but obviously the coaching staff knows better about uh, when to pull the trigger uh, and when not to. And so, 
but at least, you know, with, with knowing, uh, you know, that Falk is coming in a couple of these, especially younger guys that don't have the quite a hype that Gruba has. So as yet in Clark and, and Bufflin, keeping those guys back, I think it will be nice to get some more seasoning from them, but you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens. And then obviously too, if, if Trey ball decides to come back, that would, uh, that would be another, um, that'd be a good thing, obviously, uh, for the team. Cause he's specifically like, he's, uh, precisely what the team could use. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that shakes out, um, from the forward position, I guess, Ports coming in, um, you know, like a guy like Thorson, pretty sure he's staying back um, for a year, which yeah. I think is is wise. Uh, I mean, he doesn't seem to be struggling to adapt to uh, time in the USHL. Um, had some time prior to the high school year, got his feet wet there, and then returned to the USHL after the state tournament, uh, 15 points in, or 20, excuse me, 24 points in 26 games, you know, roughly a point per game output. Uh, and that's as an 18 year old. Um, and so there's, there's definitely the argument to be made that he can be brought in. Um, but I think a full year, uh, in, in juniors, get him you know, to bulk up a little bit used to the, the, added speed and uh, more physicality to this NCHC, the tough league for 18, you know, like true freshmen to come in. Um, and so I think it would be ideal for him to, to stay another year in, in juniors, expect him to be drafted this summer as well. Um, he's your number one prospect. Uh, yeah. If this was like a baseball uh, equivalent, like he's your top prospect. Uh, and so you obviously, like I said, could see the argument, bring him in, but I, I think it's, it's best for him and for the team that he gets one full year in juniors, see how that works out and then bring him in 2024. Uh, as far as the others where we've mentioned some of these, uh, you know, Tyson Gross, uh, Jack Ryman, two centers, uh, with USHL experience this year, um, both of those guys, 20 years old, you're going to need to bring them in. So they will be definitely coming in for Rietnan as well. He's 20, but I think he has another year of, of USHL eligibility, but expect him to come in this year, having a good year with, with Fargo. Obviously we know the Rietnan name. Um, as far as the others, like what, what are our numbers look there as far as how many do we need to bring in now with ports uh, on board? Because, after those three, um, it's a little less, uh, it's a little more hazy as far as who's going to be coming in after that. Cause you have guys like Cupco, Martins, Lavins, Barrett Hall drafted last year, uh, similar to Gruba where NHL last year, USHL this year, making the jump fairly well. Jonah Agater, um, these are the guys that are possible ads uh, to the to the uh, forward depth. Just not sure which of these last three or four that I just mentioned, which of those are going to uh, 
come in next year and which are going to be held back. Uh, what's what's your thoughts as far as numbers and who do you think has the inside track to uh, to coming in this fall? Yeah, so we have ports coming in. So we're what one, two, three, four, five short, maybe. Okay, four, four or five short. So definitely, you know, we've got uh, like you said, Gross and Ryman. They're going to be coming in. Mietnin, um, I think we can be confidently penciled. I think we can be. And if I were to guess, I would guess Lavins. Um, you know, suddenly all of a sudden that's a lot of centers. <laughs> Lavins is Lavins is center as well. Lavins is a center as well. Um, so, so yeah, keep, he had this uh, Lubomir Kupko as well, who's mm-hmm. current line mate of Ryman uh, yep. with Des Moines. So mm-hmm. I mean, you have the possibility of maybe bringing in a, a, a chemistry pairing there um, already. Like I said, of the guys that I've mentioned, Barrett Hall might have the most upside. Um, and I'm most, almost more intrigued with him than any of these others. But um, similar with Thorson, I mean, Hall's a year older. He's already been drafted. Um, he, he can come back for another year in juniors if he wants or, or if they would prefer. Um, but in the similar case of Gruba, like, if you think he's ready now, uh, I think you bring him in. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's going to be some tough choices. And I, it's a good problem to have. You should yeah. mention a lot of these but guys also, are, are having productive years at the USHL. Not only that, but, you know, that, that goes two ways. That's a two-way street, too, is that you have to also juggle that the uh, recruit is going to be happy with that decision, too. I mean, right. if very much thinks that yes i am ready right now and you know larson may say nope we don't have the room or we don't have the spots or one more year then we can bring you in no it's a verbal commitment that's right boom decommit and then all of a sudden open up everything back up and maybe someone has a spot for you right now yeah i mean we got coaches getting into dust ups at uh conventions here yeah. Uh, apparently uh, plucking guys from other teams. So it's the wild west. Uh, yeah. You damn right. It goes both ways. Yeah. Uh, I was, uh, I was going to get into, you know, conference schedule and, and whatnot, but yeah, let's just hop into, you know, shoving fisticuffs slash whatever you want to make of it because uh, all, everything is um, all hearsay kind of at this point, no one's actually gone and say, you know, kind of what happened, but uh, yeah, there was a dust up at the. Uh, it's not necessarily okay corral at this point. We got names and schools attached to the to the uh, participants in the true. Yes, I meant like hearsay, as in like the um, like did they go toe to toe, or was it just a nudge, or was it like yeah, a violent push? Seeming enough like to to write an article about it, uh, and I, mean, I for me it it. I, mean, I think it's, it's not like in the New York Times or anything. It's, I think it's it's it was the we're, we're it's a kind step of the first above time the dirt sheets here. It's <laughs> where we're at. It, it's it's I, I feel like it's like St. Thomas is fully in D one hockey now. <laughs> now that they have you know assistant coaches that are throwing punches, 
Um, it seems like they're they're in the club now. You know, the, f- the first couple of years, you know, it was the twelve to two first ever game from them uh, loss handed to them by the Huskies. You know, it was, they they really weren't much of a a team. A bit of an improvement this year, but still nothing to really sneeze at. Now, I mean, they've been a very uh, active off season. Uh, clearly, losing one guy in the portal didn't uh, didn't uh, sit really well uh, with the coaching staff. But they've been very active picking up guys uh, in, in the portal as well. Three or four from CC uh, in particular, like a like a CC to St. Thomas pipeline for some reason. And none of these guys are like, you know, can't miss blue chipper, you know, uh, Crookshank, 30 point guys next year for them. But, but they seem to, to have, you know, make some decent ads and, uh, and yeah, this was Josh Earness uh, was one of their leading scorers last year heading to Michigan. I mean, it was a little, you see this from time to time with the, uh, with the portal a guy enters the portal the same day he is, they announce where he lands. It might not have been the same day. It might have been the, the next day. But it was a very short time for him in the portal itself. And Michigan ended up with him. And that sparked some connecting the dots or maybe manically connecting the dots, connecting dots that weren't there um, that thought that the uh, that, that these this uh, St. Thomas assistant coach believed that Michigan was tampering with Earnest, uh, you know, offering him a position prior to him actually getting into the portal, which would be illegal. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of that stuff is happening already or has happened in the past. Um, legally, extra legally, quasi legally. I mean, when, when Crookshank came to St. Cloud, I mean, he had he had made a stop at St. Cloud last year and before he settled with the Gophers. And so it's like Larson and them. He knew Larson and they knew the staff. And so when he entered the portal again, it was sort of like, a, again, I don't think there was any funny business there, but it's just how hockey can, can go sometimes. So you make some connections and those connections can uh, uh, be exploited, you know, some random time in the future too. So... So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a fan. Like we, we need to get some actual journalists uh, at these coaches meetings from now on, because you get like a Hunter S Thompson at the democratic national convention sort of piece at one of these things, apparently Uh, it's hopefully we can have like a hockey, like college hockey journalists that would be able to, to write something like that instead of just kowtowing to every coach that's their source. Uh, but um, I think what we so- would need to do is uh, fund them. <laughs> I think that's kind of the main thing. Let's uh, Sydney Wolf. Let's get her down there. Let, let, let's get her hitting the pavement and uh, talking to all the, um, and, and, and have her get all the big scoops. I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. And, Let's get some video on some of these. Um, that's, I mean, that's activities. what everybody wants to see, right? Yeah, so. it's uh, yeah. After the 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 spirited round of golf that they all played, 
maybe it's the golf course. You just need like an informant on like a golf cart sort of going through the course because it's like, oh, I, I, I'm spotting Greg Carville um, throwing a haymaker uh, at the Yale assistant coach uh, off in the woods next to the eighth tee box. That's where all the dirty stuff happens. I don't I don't know. Do they have do they have woods in Florida? Oh, I'm sure they can bring them in and install them. Yeah. <laughs> you can do anything. Yeah, it's in plastic trees. Yeah. It's uh, Disney. You know? uh, that's a good point. Just 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 pick up and move uh the it, it's a small world. Not it's a small world, the uh Rush Mountain. No, Thunder Mountain. I don't know. The sure. one that's yeah, exactly. Just, just move that the one with the mountain. Yeah. One with the mountain. That's you know the the one movie that uh, Disney doesn't want to talk about anymore, or that whole is based off of. I think they now switch that to Frozen. I think it's a Frozen theme. It was uh, Song of the South. It's another like, movie was, that I've never seen. Uh, Song of the South, but I, but I know no. Oh, it's not good. It is Frozen. Very, oh, Frozen. Okay, have you seen Song of the South? No, that's like the zippy doo like yeah, like really racist one. Yeah, <laughs> but the frozen, yeah, Frozen's so, one where I don't, I've never seen it, but I know a lot of the stuff about it. Elsa, gotcha, Olaf, all of the, those are two crossword staples. So, gotcha. Yeah, I have a, I have a five year old daughter, so I have seen it in the Frozen two so many times. <laughs> well, so I but, can imagine. Um, I was just kind of looking through the uh, the Rink Lives uh, portal spreadsheet that they have. Um, I'm gonna excellent put you on tool. The... Yeah, very good. Um, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you know one the one team in college hockey that has not had any activity in the portal, leaving or coming? Okay. Uh... Yeah. And I will give you a hint. It is, it is not. I don't know if I want to say my original hint. It isn't a like a Stonehill or a Long Island because they've actually had activity. So well, I was gonna, I was gonna think, I was gonna think about a, an Ivy because they can't pick up. Well, they can't pick up like grad students. There's, there's certain that they're kind of limited as far as who they can pick up transfer wise. I was going to think of someone like that. Like, mm, I'll but that's even entering the portal, too. Like, people entering. Well. I, I know. I know. Um, I'm just going to randomly guess. Although, to be fair, yeah, Harvard only has had one person into the I, portal. I was going to say Yale. He transferred to Notre Dame. Yale? Uh, no. Uh, that's it, a... is, it, is it East or West? West. It is. It is. Um, let's go with El Bowling Green. Uh, I haven't heard much about Ferris Effin State. Ferris State. Yeah, I, I missed the tab. Uh, they have had actually a, quite a few people enter the portal. Really? Only two people uh, have committed somewhere else but they had one two three four five six people enter and they picked up two is it from the state of michigan so uh no it's from the state of minnesota 
Bemidji? Bemidji has had really? no activity. Nobody leaving, nobody coming. Territory's so. got that program on lockdown. Yep, exactly. Nobody in or out of or Lake out. Bemidji. You are stuck he here. Kidnapping his entire team. It's an escape room, and nobody has the key. Yep, exactly. So it's a good tidbit. Um, yeah, just kind of uh, fun as I was kind of going through. Um, did you want to talk about uh, conference schedule? We don't have a yes. full. We don't have a full schedule yet, and I feel like we're one of the only teams that doesn't have a full schedule. Um, because uh, various teams over the past two weeks or so have been kind of sending out what their schedule looks like. However, we do have the conference schedule. And then we also have a little bit of information about some non-conference teams, but not win exactly, except for what one or two in the series or something like that. I think, you know, a little bit more about that than I do, but as far as, um, you know, kind of the conference uh, schedule, um, how we kind of shake out, um, you know, we can kind of run it through quickly before the Christmas break. Um, we have uh, Miami at home at Western and then uh, Duluth at home. I was so excited to see Duluth in November. Um, and then I saw it was at home and then I just got depressed again. Because, I mean, especially, especially right after Gordon Lightfoot died going up to November in Duluth. I think that just would have been ah, that would have been awesome. And nope, it has to be. I don't know. Flip that series. I, I, <laughs> that's. Uh, but anyway, do you have a favorite Gordon Lightfoot song? I love Gordon Lightfoot. By the way, it's gonna like say all I, of his catalog. And I went to a concert did um, you? that he played Jealous. at um, seven years ago or something like that. The guy Where was the, that he died. Uh, he didn't come to St. Cloud, did he? No, uh, State Theater in Minneapolis. Okay. Um. He died at 84. He looked every bit of 84. <laughs> he was, he was, he looked, he looked like an old man. And you know, it was, what is it? Songwriters on PBS. I mean, like it, like that's the feel of the concert. It was him up there singing the band playing. I mean, there was no obviously pomp and circumstance at his age, but, um, but yeah, I mean, he played, you know, some of his, biggest hits a little bummed he didn't play some other ones that i really like um obviously uh everyone knows record the m and fitzgerald but um sundown is sundown's great if you can um, read my mind if you can read my mind has been covered by numerous artists and the hook was stolen by whitney houston uh, in Mm -hmm. the greatest level ball um which he got some i believe he sued successfully and not whitney houston whoever wrote the song for uh but uh, that's a great song. I, I can't say that I know a ton of his catalog, but I don't know, 10 songs-ish I can I can tap my toe to. It's a song called Early Morning Rain that I like. I actually think Dylan did a better version of, but um, yeah, like he's best, in that. They were like best friends too, Bob Dylan and Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah, man, they, they, they're kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're made from the same claw, you know. It's the, <laughs> yeah. Canadian, Minnesota folk singer, singer, songwriter, story songs. Mm -hmm. um, Good stuff. Uh, Uh, Carefree Highway. um, That's a good one. uh, uh, Wherefore and Why is one of my favorites. Did she mention my name? Um, 
you know, Cotton Jenny. You know, there's obviously going down the list. If you have a chance, just uh, just just take about thirty minutes. And just kind of go through some songs. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Pass yeah, and he had said Cheryl, so. because I I've been to the in, in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. There's the um, the shipwreck museum. It's a museum of like shipwrecks in Lake Superior. And so there was a big exhibit about the Edmund Fitzgerald. And I was, because I was going to say, you mentioned they're playing Duluth in November. I think, I think that's the month that the Edmund Fitzgerald sank. And it was, correct. That, November 10th, 1975. Did they mention that in the lyrics? Is it no, some November day in 75? <laughs> not exactly. The Edmund Fitzgerald. <laughs> Uh, they might. They we're might gonna, we're gonna get like copyright that. strike. Yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> it could. It's um, a good life say, book too, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, they you know. they don't they don't say the actual date, but they do say well when the skies of November turn gloomy. Thank so. you, thank you. Um, so that would have been perfect to go yeah. up to Duluth on Superior uh, on the tip of Superior there uh, in November. But uh, it's uh, a shame. No, I think they've course. only gone up to Duluth once. Pre-Christmas in the NCHC era. I think it was the first year of the NCHC. They've always played. The majority of them are always like the last weekend in January. Yeah. Now that they've done this last couple of years where they play the conference designated conference rival the last weekend of the year. That's really the only time we've gotten off that last weekend of January weekend is now we'll play them in the first weekend of March to, uh, to wrap up the regular season. So yeah, I, I would, I would like them to have a early season Duluth trip, um, but at least it's nice to get them once in the early part of the year. Uh, yeah. I mean, last year it was what three of your, you know, you played them in seven games uh, of your last probably 12 or 14 were against yeah. Duluth. It's nice to split them up a little bit. Especially uh, for you since you hate them so much. That's correct. I can spread out my hatred. So you can yeah, tell you, I don't have to condense it down. Um, Duh. So not, did you mention like a powder keg, but it's more of a, a slow release of just, hatred. For and it's right. It's, it's better for Dan Jacobson too. Um, he doesn't need to black out the entire block of podcasts <laughs> from, from when we uh, speak so lovingly of his Duluth Bulldogs. <laughs> did you mention, uh, so for St. Cloud, just the one series each this year, um, the only I, North Dakota, only I, North Dakota I, at home. And they go to CC. CC does not come to St. Cloud. So no trip to, to Grand Forks. And CC does not come to St. Cloud. Uh, I was I did this for all of the teams in the NCHC to see which two teams that, that each team will only see once. To kind of see like who's got the quote-unquote easiest schedule and who's got the toughest based on who they're only seeing one time. I would say the toughest schedule is Omaha. They only get CC and Miami one time each. So everyone else, except the two historic bottom feeders of the conference, they will see twice. As far as toughest, I would say, again, it's hard because, you know, it throws it off because UND and UMD were, you know, fifth and sixth this year. So like St. Clouds, they're playing the sixth place team and the seventh place team from last year. And that sounds like, well, maybe that's kind of a tough schedule. But one of those teams was North Dakota. So I would imagine might be a little bit better than six. I don't know. As you mentioned, though, they, they 
and he lost a ton of guys. They have to replace so. everyone on defense. And that's not a hyperbole. Literally no, everyone. Literally everyone on defense. Uh, and so. is it the third time it's going to be the charm when they pick up a goalie in the transfer portal? That it's going to work. I don't know if we've mentioned that with Pearson going from – first of all, I, I've, I've actually heard, I believe it's pronounced person. I think I read somewhere that it's supposed to be pronounced person, Ludwig person I, from Miami. I thought that that was just a tweet, like trying to be clever from uh, North Dakota that right? Twitter account. That I was wouldn't like, have found our person. I, I thought I read that somewhere. But, in but I think people like kind of went with it as like, oh, this is actually how you pronounce it. And it's like, I think he's just trying to make a pun, guys. But either way, I call him Siv. So that's what we're going to call him <laughs> on this podcast because... Because that's what he is, and that's what he's going to be, especially with no defense in front of him. Which, obviously, yeah. they're going to have defense. I mean, they're going to bring in... But is it going to be any good? It's going to be Yeah, they'll defense. literally have bodies that that that, pull, that have D next to their name on the roster. But is that going to be quality? And from the people that are thinking that Pearson's going to be this person... Again, we're going to do like a Peart, uh, Peart <laughs> thing with, with, uh, with this goalie here, but no, you can't. You can't do Tony Dorset or Dorset. No, you pick one and you stick with that for the rest of your career. It's Pearson. Well, yeah. So, so to it's... think that he's going to be the magic potion here that's going to solve uh, North Dakota's ills. I mean, yeah, he's been playing on a terrible Miami team the last couple of years, but I mean, in the last two years, picking up. Uh, Driscoll from Bemidji and then DeRitter. I mean, Bemidji was decent coming off that they went to the tournament the year before North Dakota picked up Driscoll, but still Bemidji's not exactly a world beater. And DeRitter came from a bad Michigan state team where his numbers were decent, but they were almost decent because he saw such a ton of shots. Um, because of a poor team in front of him. But neither of those pickups worked. I mean, Driscoll was coming off of two really good years at Bemidji, and then he turned in a pretty average year uh, for North Dakota. Which was, Ritter was a really expected. Like, like Which I don't know. Because like, I, I remember Driscoll. when Driscoll came in, that was like, he's preseason goalie of the year. Uh, he was supposed to be really good. I North no, like like I re- I remember thinking that of course he's going to have good numbers in Bemidji. Like like Satori like having that on lockdown with no players coming in or out. Yeah, pucks don't go in or out. <laughs> the net like so it's like so it wasn't a surprise to me that he came back in as like yeah he is who we thought he is because that's who he was in St. Cloud too average. So that's, I don't know. That... Yeah, I, and Dreader was, I thought, a dud last year. I, I don't think oh, that yeah. we can expect Pearson to be, however you pronounce him, uh, that he's going to turn into this great goalie because I haven't seen it uh, in Miami, even factoring in a bad Miami team. Um, so that'll be interesting. But anyway, getting back to the schedule, uh, I would say as far as the tougher schedule, so we got Duluth, only gets um, uh, let's see here no the t- the toughest was Omaha I'm, I'm looking at the easiest schedules Duluth only gets Denver and Western Michigan once this coming year 
home versus Denver. They go to Kalamazoo. Those are your one, two in the standings last year. Um, now Western lost a lot. I'm not sure if they're going to necessarily we can pencil them in as a number two team in the conference. Yeah. So the other team I was looking at is Miami who they got Denver and Omaha as their two teams. They only see once Denver, obviously again, number one team. Omaha was third in the conference. So again, I don't know how good Omaha is going to be next year. Fairly certain Denver is going to be decent. So those are like that. I would say the two toughest schedules, um, or the toughest schedule being Omaha and uh, Duluth and Miami, maybe getting a little bit of a break by only seeing Denver once. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I mean, we're just kind of talking about the fringes here. I mean, everyone's seeing uh, five of the teams twice, and you just get two teams one time. So the difference isn't terribly you know, all that much. And you, you still got to win games against tough teams. and. And it depends on when you see the teams too. Um, yeah. And so, and that can be kind of a luck of the draw kind of situation. So you just can't, can't look at it too in depth. Um, but um, just wanted to throw that out there. And as far as the St. Cloud non-conference schedule, as you get any mention has not been fully released and I'm not really sure why we've, so our, our source has, has it. And I saw that Bill Prout also, had this information on his site that the opponents for next year, Bemidji, St. Thomas, Mankato, Michigan, and Alaska Fairbanks did not have the road and home splits for those. We knew that Michigan was going to be at home for this coming year. We saw today that it was announced Mankato released its full schedule. They will be playing both of those games in Mankato, the 13th and 14th of October which is following their last couple of years rotation where they've just been playing two game series, not doing home and homes, which is surprising to me. They're doing home and homes with Bemidji, but they're not doing home and homes with Mankato. Um, Much shorter trip there with Mankato rather than Bemidji. I was also told from my source that Bemidji is going to be played during the winter break, whereas the other four will be played uh, in October. Um, I saw today that Bemidji, again, they have not released their full schedule, but their conference schedule was released, and they're playing a series the 5th and 6th of January. Um, And that is not a weekend that St. Cloud plays. And so, which would mean if you're going to play Bemidji in the winter break, you'd play in the last, then you'd play in the last weekend of December, which would then mean you're going to have a play in the last weekend in, in December and then have an off week and then resume the second half of the year in the conference play, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So I'm not, I'm less confident that that Bemidji in the second half or in the winter break is for certain. Perhaps they can put a exhibition game in between those two. I, I feel like it's weird to have a long break, play a weekend and then have another off weekend and then play conference play. That seems weird to me, but it has not been finalized from what I would imagine I saw some, I, I was notified of some tw- uh, Twitter buzz that some people think that this Alaska series is in Alaska. That would shock me because we only have five opponents here. And I'm assuming you're playing two game series against each of these teams, meaning 10 games. If you're playing in Alaska, you would then be qualified to, to, to get the, to take advantage of the Alaska exemption, which means you get two extra games 
because we're only assuming again, we're only playing 10 games. If you're going up to Alaska, that means you're not going to take advantage of the Alaska exemption. Uh, th- that would make zero sense to me for, especially from a college that has no money, literally would picking the longest road trip in college hockey and not taking the one advantage you get from making that road trip. Yeah. So I would be, I would bet money that you're playing Alaska in St. Cloud. I would not be surprised if there was some sort of multi-year agreement that maybe go up to, to Alaska next year or something like that and then take advantage of the Alaska exemption um, that same year. But it would make no sense for you to voluntarily go to Alaska and then not schedule two extra games to mm-hmm. offset those costs. So I'm assuming that the Alaska games are at St. Cloud. We know the Michigan games are in St. Cloud. We know the Mankato games are in Mankato. We've been playing home and homes with both St. Thomas and Bemidji. So if that's what I'm thinking it is, you would have a six home games versus four road games split, which is a little different. The last two years, Larson's made it a five and five even split home versus road on your non-conference. So uh, we'll, we shall have to wait and see. I, I really don't know why. I mean, the information that we got that about these non-conference uh, games came like back in December. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know what the big secret about we can't release our full schedule. And they all got to trickle out across April and May and June. Some teams release them. Some wait forever. I don't know what the big secret is. I mean, you can go look at the 2033 schedule for the Gopher football team. Right now, you can Google that. But we can't get information about who St. Cloud's playing this October. Uh, We just got to wait until the magic day comes that we get this information. I like being able to be a detective. And we had a good, fun time scooping the Michigan uh, series. But it shouldn't come to that. It's like this information is already out there. I, I get the fact that some sometimes things happen and agreements go by the wayside and some games you'll, you lose games here. Or some team backs out of a agreement. I get that. But those are relatively rare. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why the the, the weight uh, and the drama yeah. uh, of, of of stretching this out. The fact that we already know, had... you do know what this means, though. What's that? That this schedule is going to be released tomorrow. It's going to be on a Friday. I would, I would love that. <laughs> and then all of this whole segment is outdated. <laughs> well, it, it's it's a, it's evergreen because it happens every year. Yeah, like I, it should happen the, the the next. It should happen the day after the season's done. Like, let's get us ready for for next year. Uh, talking to my traveling friend, the guy I take traveling road trips to or with, we're circling the Miami series, um, mm-hmm. and that's in early February. We have that's the only one neither of us have been to. Uh, maybe this will be a transition to our next topic. Um, but I think our, I mean, that's obviously the big impetus there is we haven't been there yet. And the other reason is we don't know how long they're going to be in the conference. Um, so you might not have a ton of opportunity to go to beautiful Oxford, Ohio, 
at least in conference play. Uh, and some more rumblings um, that Miami just isn't loving being the doormat of this conference. Uh, and Get some talks good. now, some talks now Come where, on. Um, you know, CCHA, they're really looking at that league is being more viable for them. Um, and now, I mean, the other elephant in the room is Arizona state, you know, up and up program, big school, shiny new arena. It's in Arizona where I hear the weather is decent. Um, so why, where, where are you thinking as far as, the future of the NCHC, uh, DC might, let's say, give you, I mean, it's not going to happen this coming year. I mean, this, this series St. Cloud plays in Oxford in February is that's not going to be canceled. Um, but let's say three years from now, Miami still in the NCHC. I, I don't know. Like, the thing is, I still look at this, and maybe this is just pessimism in me or whatnot, but I I still look at this as a lot of smoke. And yes, where there's smoke, there's fire, but I don't see a name attached to anything. The only thing was the blog post that they had where they talked, um, you know, that was with what was it? The athletic director or the president of Miami who was saying that they wouldn't want to basically have the 80, the 80 didn't want to travel out to Arizona. Like they wouldn't be for that. Um, but you know, as far as like being the doormat, um, and, and the competitive aspect, I feel like that a lot of that is just, media projecting onto them that that's what they is that or that's what they have been and not so much as the university or the ad or whatnot as themselves of being like we can't compete at this level i can't imagine any actual college saying that and i can't i can't imagine any college going like yes we want to go to a lesser profile conference like you would think they'd want to stay at a higher profile conference, which the NCAC is a higher profile than the CCHA. Now, budgetary reasons, money talks, it might be a lot of more easy travel with all of the Michigan teams that are in the CCHA. So like, that's where I think the media is kind of running with this maybe a little bit more. So I do still think in three years, yes, Miami will still be part of the NCHC. Um, but like I, I just want some actual source, some actual I don't journalism happening where they, where somebody can actually tell me like what the plans are, what the thought process is, because right now all I'm getting is just columns and opinion pieces. So that that's kind of where I'm sitting when it comes to the whole situation. Yeah, I don't know if you want to uh, run with that new sounder we got. You mentioned the journalism. Oh, good point. Time now for the commentary on the commentary. Discord. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, the there's a, a piece by our good friend 
Adam Woden at College Hockey News. <laughs> we drag him so much, and he has no clue we exist. <laughs> and that's like the best just, way. I feel like this is just pot shots. Maybe it's unfair. I don't know. But I, I tried to comment on his uh, piece about Alaska, how Alaska should have made the tournament. And, and that didn't make it through their spam filters or it was deleted or something. So this is my only recourse is to use this podcast. Fair enough. And I just came, I came up with a, a fancy new sounder for it. So might as well uh, run with it. But yeah, I think the title of the piece was like, do the right thing. Some like Spike Lee reference. Um, and uh, the premise was that there's this pesky. Yeah. So Miami's not been very good to put it lightly. And uh, they, they would be better off competitively and geographically. I'll get to that a little bit later, the geographical um, fit with CCHA. Uh, but they'd just be a, a better fit in the CCHA. And the only pesky thing in the that's gumming up the works there is this million-dollar exit fee from the NCHC. And Woden's argument, doing the right thing, right thing in this case would be NCHC just waive that. Just don't don't pay that. Uh, just you just you can leave, and then we can bring in Arizona State. I'm not exactly sure when Woden became a Miami hockey pocket protector, um, but I felt this was somewhat preposterous. Uh, you don't. First of all, it's it's the idea of Miami too. Uh, this was one of the original six. They were they they made their own bed here. They knew exactly what they're getting into. They branched off from the CCHA. They're the only CCHA team to split off when the NCHC was formed. Obviously, Western Michigan was added later along with St. Cloud to make it to the current eight that we have now. But they knew in 2012, 2011, uh, that they were exiting their more geographically aligned league to go into this sexier national collegiate hockey conference, the, the more prestige, um, the more, uh, championships, um, all of that. And if you want to take your ball and go home, uh, you, you don't, you shouldn't get an Uber ride for free. Uh, you pay the million dollars. If you want to leave, pay the, pay the fee. You were one of the schools that put these bylaws in place the idea that you should just waive that because they're just that bad. Screw that. Uh, I've mentioned too, this is not a St. Cloud state uh, situation where they are. I, I just reject out of hand the premise that Miami is this financially poor institution. Um, <laughs> I mentioned their endowment. I realize it's not everything is about how well endowed you are, but their endowment is in the six hundred and fifty million range. I'm happy that's what my wife says too. <laughs> to put that in comparison, St. Cloud's endowments is like forty million ish. Um, so they're like six hundred million dollars richer than Saint, than St. Cloud is. I think I mentioned uh, the it? last time we mentioned this uh, that they had ninety eight million dollars in donations last year. I think I mentioned that was from their for athletics. That's wrong. 
So it's $98 million for the entire school. But that was just last year, $98 million that they got from outside donations. Again, that's about twice, it's more than twice the current endowment of St. Cloud is that they were able to fundraise in the 2022 fiscal year. Uh, I've actually put out a, uh, I, I'm in contact. I haven't gotten a response yet, but I've, I'm in contact with their budget office. Uh, I'm kind of playing like a FOIA request kind of thing here because I was going back into their budget, their expenses for hockey. I'm trying to go back to before the NCHC, but their expenses this last, the last year that I was able to get, which I think was 2021, was actually lower than what they were in I think the last, the, the furthest back report that I was able to find, find was 2017. So they've actually like cut some costs yeah. uh, in the last five or six years. And I'd like to know exactly what the super high expense is or how much more of an expense it is playing in the NCHC than it is the old CCHE. I'm sure it's more. But um, getting to the geography, the current CCHA, I don't think it's that much different than the NCHC. You mentioned the Michigan team. So it, it would be, I think it would be less expense for, for Miami to go in the CCHA because right now you basically have one bus trip and that's to Western Michigan in, in conference. If you go to the CCHA. I also think it might help time zone for their fans to watch the games too. Sure. Having just more games in a normal time zone. I mean, I'm mostly just focused on the budget aspect of it. Sure. But that's, yeah, that, 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 that's a valid point as well. Um, but so you got one bus trip right now in conference and that's to Western Michigan. You got plane rides for the rest of them for the CCHA. Again, I don't know what constitutes a bus ride. Like what's, what's the limit uh, what's the longest that you'll go on a bus ride? CCHA, I was just looking at, so you got Ferris F and State, which is like a six-hour bus ride. Bowling Green, in-state rival, they're like a three-hour bus ride. That's the closest. Um, Western Michigan, for context, is about a four-hour bus ride right now. Uh, and then Lake State is like eight and a half hours for a bus ride. And then everything else is 11 hours plus. Uh, bus ride. Interesting fact from Oxford to St. Cloud is only 50 miles longer than Oxford is to Houghton, Michigan. Uh, Hmm. I didn't realize how much, how much East or excuse me, how much West you go in the uh, upper peninsula to hit Houghton. And then Marquette wasn't, I mean, Marquette's like an 11 hour bus ride as well. So, I mean, then again, I don't know how many like, how easy it is to get a commercial flight into those cities either. Maybe you are taking a bus ride, an 11 hour bus ride one way. That doesn't sound like fun. And if you're going to take an 11 hour bus ride to Houghton, you could take an 11 and a half hour bus ride to St. Cloud, but they're not doing that now. So, so what I'm saying is you're basically swapping out one bus ride league to like a three bus ride league and everyone else there. I mean, you're, you're flying into Sioux Falls, you're flying into Bemidji, You'd fly into Mankato. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a difference, but it's it's not like the old CCHA, which was yeah. a bus ride league. And you're at Miami. I mean, Miami's on an island anyway in college hockey land. Now that, um, I mean, other than Arizona State, they're the furthest south program. Um, so, I mean, like I said, Bowling Green, 
in-state rival, they're still three hours away. That's their closest bus ride to any to any college. Uh, Ohio State, I guess, would be closer, uh, but still a couple hours away. So finding ways to save money, I, I get it. But A, I don't think this is a school that's necessarily on financial hardship. Um, I, surprisingly, I was able to find that they – since COVID started, we always hear, God, how colleges have been killed by COVID. Their enrollment's actually up since the beginning of COVID. Um, like I said, I, I, I don't, I, I reject the the notion that they are uh, on financial uh, dire straits. And so, yeah, if they want to leave, sure, fine, go ahead, pay the million dollars. And there are, you know, Wooden's argument too is, what's a million dollars split seven ways anyway? Uh Tell you what, uh, it's hundred and whatever thousand dollars could come in handy to St. Cloud right now. Yeah. Uh, that'll pay like a couple of years worth of nil money, I bet. Um, so you can't say it's nothing on the receiving end of it, but then say it's too much for Miami on the on the giving part of it. Like it's, I, I realize you're splitting it seven ways, but still, like, you know, like I said. A million dollars. We're not living in in eighteen oh nine here. Um, million dollars uh, at a Division One athletic department uh, is, is is a pittance. So I'm interested to see what how that all shakes out. Uh, I yeah I I think I'm with you. I think the Occam's razor here would be that they hang around. Um, but yeah, I mean that that interview that their AD did did give last year with with their Miami blogger um, was surprising that the amount of candor that he has. And as yeah. you said, this doesn't generally happen like publicly putting out there that the league that we're in is just too tough. Um, and and it's a, it's a lament of mine. I, I I'm in agreement in in the premise of. Ge- geography should be a should be more of a factor, but college hockey went away from geography as their determining factor for their conferences when the NCHC formed and when the Big Ten formed, uh, and the CCHA is, is is doing the same thing more out of necessity. I mean, the NCHC was completely by choice uh, and completely intentional. I mean, it puts in the name National Collegiate Hockey Conference. I think they enjoyed the fact that there's three different time zones included here. Uh, geography was specifically abandoned with the formation of, of that league. And not just college hockey, but all of college sports are kind of following suit now. I see what, what the Big Ten is doing with adding teams from you know UCLA and USC and before that Maryland and Rutgers. Um, geography is geography is being a primary principle or primary uh, guiding principle is how, how you form a league. That's a very 20th century idea. Uh, and I think it's a dumb idea for college hockey to follow that because of how small it is and how small, how, how many small universities you have participating in it. Um, so I would, I would, I would win. I I would. I've been on record saying that it's it was it was best how it was before, which is always a popular opinion. Uh, but 
the the I'm just saying the 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 wish and the hope that that's gonna we're, we're gonna fold back into that reality is I think a pipe dream. So yeah, that those days are gone. So yeah, it's so. Uh, you got to adapt. And <laughs> looking at Miami's team history since Bergeron took over, he hasn't gotten to nine wins in a season yet. All single digits. Nine, nine, no, nine. he is not. Not nine. Um, here are the win totals since he took over. Eight, five, seven, and eight. So he's looking for that magical nine. Um, they have been a disaster. And talking about transfer portal, mentioned Pearson going to North Dakota. They also let, lost Red Savage uh, from the Wonder Years. Um he did not have the wonder years in Oxford that he was thinking. Um, nope. And he packed up his bag and went to Michigan state. Um, this Cassetti also is one of their, I'm putting leading scores in quotes because they had 15 points, but that was like third on their, on their stat sheet. He's in the portal. They lost, I think eight guys uh, picked up a couple, but more attrition than addition. Uh, in the transfer portal, things are not looking very rosy there. Uh, and I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know how they really turn it around. We've seen CC make some moves and they, they look to be on the rise. At least it doesn't seem like that's the same with Miami. Um, yeah. I, I, someone's got to, someone's got to finish in last place in this league. Just seems that Miami has settled into accepting that role on a yearly basis. I don't know. Like you said, would you rather be in the higher profile league that from a recruiting yeah. standpoint and just a prestige standpoint, you think you'd be better off there. Um, but I don't know. It's money talks, as you said, and we'll see how this uh, development shakes out. But uh, did want to, did want to mention that, that, uh, that art, uh, that was an article and cause it was a, it was a good talker. Uh, thought that was a decent rant. Hopefully I didn't put everybody to sleep. Well, it was, but again, it's just, I don't know. Let's let's talk about the other side of this, about Arizona State. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you could just go to nine, (laughs) not to burn out the circuit of of our button bar here. Nine, nine, nine. You could just well, you go already to threw me under the bus saying I was asleep at it. So now, like my cursor. Well, now, now, now I know you're hovering you're over you're it. hovering over it all uh, for for the rest of the show. You know, you having an odd numbered lead, odd numbered, odd number of teams in your league is kind of the sexy thing to do now. Big Ten does it with seven. Hockey East is at eleven. Uh, Atlantic Hockey is going to be at eleven uh, when Robert Morris gets back in. So you guys and CCHA is going to Tossin. nine. Tossin it's going to nine with, with nope, Augustine. Nope, not doing it now. Now you expect it. <laughs> but see, you're right swerve. because they're, they're like a quasi member for the next two years. They're, they're like, they are a member, but they're not, it's, they're not qualified for playoffs and playing like a 16 game league schedule. So uh, they're, yeah, we'll wait a couple of years until they're officially a member and then we can use that button bar then. But Seems like everyone's going nine teams, or at least an odd number of teams. So, well, you know, maybe that's not too far out of the realm of possibility. But add in Lindenwood. 
and CHC ads in Lindenwood. There you go. Well, see, getting back to like organizing principles of the league. Yeah, they they threw out geography as being any sort of important principle. It seemed like their main organizing principle is we want schools where hockey is the number one focus and that hockey is a strength. Now, the only reason I know about Lindenwood is because of their hockey team. I would. I literally wouldn't know that the university existed um, if not for. I mean, I, I was familiar with their women's team. Before yeah, the men's yeah. St. Cloud's women's team has played Lindenwood. Yeah, like every year almost. Yeah, um, for many like ten years. years. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like one of the few teams they were able to beat um, up until recently. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I mean, I, but but they're not close to you know, viable national it's not a team that anyone takes seriously Certainly well neither is my team. they're literally the last the last place team in pairwise last year I, I and they they play in a rink that's yes hosting a regional next year but it's you know a practice rink for a pro team um it it's feels an untapped like, I mean, market if you, if you go but but again is it, i don't think they're interested in growing the game they're interested in having their nah, that's club, club yeah. with all of their um, uh, banners and uh, all their long-term history and uh, well-charted long-term success. Lindenwood doesn't fit that bill. Oh, that's true. Uh, but Arizona State really doesn't now, fit that bill yeah, either. Yeah, neither does Arizona uh, State. So, But Arizona State has some more obvious pluses in their column, too. I mean facility andrew's right there (laughs) right here i saw that their desert hockey classic was announced it's omaha and umass lowell and harvard i haven't never seen umass lowell or harvard play oh there you go i can scratch off two more teams next year but um so i don't i mean yeah they they don't and they've made they've made a tournament um i saw lowell lose the yale in the 2013 Frozen Four. Four. I haven't seen, I've never seen Yale play either. It'd be another one on my list. I saw them twice and I hated it both times. (laughs) So. Uh, Yeah. So I I, was rooting for Lowell that game. So yeah, that was it. That was just a bummer Frozen Four all around. Well, coming from the Harvard of the Midwest, you hate Yale. Yeah, that's true. It's a natural sort of hatred. Natural circle there. But yeah, I, I, so I don't know. There, there are certainly some concessions you'd have to make on these guiding principles if you were to allow, or if you were to invite Arizona State in the league. But I think it, I think Arizona State makes more sense than Lindenwood does for for sure. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I don't know how they go here. I, I would be surprised if they did go with an uh, odd number, or at least went with an odd number without having another team lined up for the future. Like maybe you play one season with nine teams and then, you know, you add a 10th team or you have a 10th team lined up for the next year or something like that. I can't see them just going nine. And then we don't know what a 10th team is. I I feel like that's going to create a scheduling uh, um, problem uh, if, if they go that way. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, maybe it's going to be 2016 all over again when you finally let the 
Arizona State and Mankato. Remember, those are the teams that applied back then uh, and were told no. Maybe it comes because because I think I think Mankato, I know we haven't really mentioned them here, but they fit the bill closer to what Arizona State does or Lindenwood does. Who knows now um, with Hastings gone? Very true. Hey, hey, those, uh, those and a quarter of their team now in commitment. That's right. Fled to the, the, when St. Cloud plays them next year, that's going to be the first games of the Luke Strand era. Yeah. They play an exhibition game the weekend before, but these will be the first games that count under their new regime. So yeah, it'll be very interesting. Um, but yeah, I, but you know, I think if, yeah. And then if, if you add Mankato, uh, you know, Miami's not going to be happy about that. It's yet another bus ride. Um, so yeah, it's, we, we've had these conversations before. It seems like it's a common uh, summer topic and it is fun to speculate. Um, but, um, and I suppose it's a decent problem to have when you have some newer teams in the mix. I did see a report that Binghamton University in New York is looking at uh, going D1, uh, which would be interesting. I, I, I feel, I, I know we had a question from someone about adding or new teams adding and it is just a shame that we don't we don't see some bigger name schools join the fray. Uh, schools that have a national recognition. Schools, I don't know. Like, schools like Illinois. Schools like <laughs> Illinois. Uh, is that guy still cool. trying to sell his Twitter account? <laughs> <laughs> Special announcement coming soon. Illinois adding D1 Okay, but it's just yeah, it'd be be great if if those teams, if a team like like that, um, or pick someone from uh, not that part of the country, I guess. Like uh, I don't know, mentioned UCLA. They used to have a team back in like the forties. Someone like like that in, in a more remote area. But a, a university that has a ton of resources that you'd feel could potentially make the step step up. I I've always, I've been crossing my fingers. I mean, Tucson they're building a rink for the University of Arizona here for their hockey team in Tucson. It's like supposed to be like a three thousand seat arena with a community rink as well, so two rinks total. I saw that they're playing an exhibition game against Arizona State next year. Their club team is. Um, but it doesn't seem like there's any plans on going up to D1. Like I even trying to find articles about it. There was something like from their student newspaper that was saying like, it, it made it very clear that they didn't know what the hell they were talking about because they said this building will allow them to, to move up to D2 hockey. <laughs> I'm like they don't play. They literally don't have D2 hockey. Um, they got rid of that like 25 years ago. So I don't know if they mean club team. I mean, their club team is currently D1 club. So I don't know what the hell they're, but it's like their, their facility that they're building is better than a bunch of current teams facility. Um, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> and if a team like Arizona 
made the jump, that would make more of a splash than, sorry, Lindenwood or Binghamton or Stonehill Stone or Utica. Or any of these sort of, we got to look up where they are because I've never heard of this program before. See what Penn State did. You know, you get a, you get kind of a dickish coach in there that only uh, schedules athletic hockey teams. You could have that in your backyard if you were the University of Arizona. Um, Just have, sure, all those Atlantic teams that's would love, the dream. love yeah. a trip down to Tucson. Um, so, yeah, it's it's um, intriguing, but at the same time kind of frustrating, too, because the growth of the sport is a good thing. But it's this growth where it's 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 not like we're – Okay, Lindenwood is 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 in the group now, and that means what? I, I don't yeah. I don't know. Like you even said, like it's growing the game in the St. Louis area. But ask like ten fans at a Blues game. Hey, just check out that Lindenwood game. It'd be <laughs> what? I don't know. Maybe this regional next year will really yeah uh, drive up everything. Drive the fan interest. I've always thought, I always thought the Pacific Northwest would be a good spot to really start some kind of expansion. And now with the crack in there too, I thought now obviously your hockey tradition there, WHL does have a a foothold with, um, I believe what two teams in the WHL. There's like like five in Washington state. Then there's the Portland winter Hawks. I think there's five or six teams in the in the u.s in the whl oh god yeah there are a lot more than i thought maybe that almost went up there was like i think there's one in yeah yeah, maybe that would be a little Uh, bit tougher to break into then what are the five teams in washington is it walla walla is that one of them spokane's one um uh not walla walla i think there's there's some in some weird town like a town I'd never heard of. Uh, Kennewick, it, Portland, Everett, Seattle, Spokane. What was this? What was the first one he said? Uh, Kennewick. Kennewick. Yeah, is that the one that's like kind of? It's like South Central. What? Like, uh, yeah, Oregon? South Central, South, maybe a little bit in the east, but Central. Yeah, okay. East. I think that was the closest one to me when I was living in Oregon, and I thinking about maybe going up there, but it was about like a six hour drive even to the closest one. So I never did go, but uh, yeah, the thing about college hockey is you're talking about, that would be a good geographical area to tap. There's a lot of geographical areas that are available to tap Pacific Northwest, uh, West coast, California, the South. Like, I mean, basically, like I said, Miami is the second South most South program in D one other than Arizona state and they play hockey down there. I mean, get like a university of Florida in there, get uh, Texas in there. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's yeah. don't know why uh, if you get like, you are a team like that, a school, like a big school like that, you really got to plant the flag there as like the flagship college hockey program in that not only state but region i uh, think that there'd be an opportunity there but we've mentioned many times making hockey making money in college hockey is a is a tough gambit so it's easier said than done i, I would 
would say. Yeah, exactly. So, um, we can hop over to questions unless uh, any more uh, would you want to drag? Nah, we could do that. Not, not this week. Well, well, I, I made the sounder uh, not just for this week, but for in anticipation for future. Not just Woden either. That's yeah, I'm sure we can fire that up when you have your hot takes on the latest Jess Myers article. <laughs> so uh, yeah. we'll keep that one on ice. Yep, exactly. So. Um, questions, uh, Dan Jacobson, uh, uh, Bruins or Avalanche first round exit, which was more exciting. Um, I mean, I, the Bruins, yeah, those are more exciting games. Well, are are you on the Kraken train? Cause I am not. I mean, it's like, when you say on the train, what do you, what do you mean? I think a lot of, I think the like mainstream opinion is that this weird. is a cute story. This is a cute story that, you know, they're America's underdog. Uh, I see a lot. I see kind of a lot weird of weird rooting for Hextall, if that means anything. So that yeah. I don't think yeah. I can. So I guess I'm not this on true. that train. Um, they've got, they've got an, uh, they've got a very much an O three 3 wild vibe to me. Um, I can see that. But I'm not a huge fan of them. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're Will Borgen though, he's having U- a good, he's having a good U.S. Uh, Olympian. Playoffs. Will Borgen, right. uh, Husky great, you know, and he was so good in those Olympics. <laughs> good lord, yeah, you take him out for a whole month of the <laughs> of the season just to not play him in the Olympics. Like, yeah, because we're giving so much ice time to to forty year olds to Brian uh, Gianta. Obviously, that's not the right position, but. But Noah yeah. Welch or whatever his name was, like just that fucking... team was even. I, I wonder. I, I can't remember exactly what the timeline was, like how far in advance they had to assemble that roster. But even in comparison to the 2022 Olympic team, which had much much more NCAA uh, participation, that 18 team. Like their best players were the three NCAA guys that they chose to play, yeah. and all the others were these just grinder thirty-six-year-old and Garrett AHL <laughs> and Garrett Rowe. Uh, yeah, I remember that's what you get that, too, I mean, though, when that... you hired when you hire Tony Gradado to run your team. You can't you can't wait, expect too much. Wait, shut up! Was he the coach? <laughs> yeah. No, he wasn't. Look it up. Are you kidding me? I had I, I I I forgot it. that. No well. way he uh, was the coach. He's a Granado dude. He's oh I mean Granado is synonymous with you. Everything hockey. makes so much sense now that like of course that team would be terrible. Look what he did to Wisconsin. <laughs> like, this <laughs> well, is see, all falling so into place. He took that Wisconsin job in sixteen. Sixteen or seventeen. It was six sixteen, seventeen was his first year, and they made it to like the Big Ten championship game which was coming off several mike eves years where he was doing like the chris bergeron thing or single digit win years so them having a good first year under granado his stock was probably somewhat high at that specific sliver of life (laughs) sliver Um, of time so you assemble a team with james wisniewski (laughs) playing in the second tier germany league (laughs) 
Well, I'll tell you what, Jimmy is a grinder. But, but no, hey, nope, we're going to sit Will Borgen on the bench. We're but scoring. yet it was what? It was it was Troy Terry. Who's the, it was Terry. Donato. Who are the other, uh, Donato, it was like the their best players by far were yeah. the current as double airs. Uh, the other, the only guys that weren't born in the eighties, uh, that was their best players. So maybe they learned a bit of their lesson because they, they had a, a better contingent, but they still had Andy Mealy and, uh, who else was on this last team too? They had another, just another like 10 yeah. guys, just beer leaguers. Uh, it's 35 plus league. Um, it's just, uh, I, I, I hope that they either go full college or they just go back to the pros in the Olympics. Cause this six of one half dozen of the other that they're doing now is just not working all that hot. But anyway, I, where are we going to will Borgen, I think is where we sprung board into the 2018 Olympics, which I mean, you know, kind of somewhat, in the same vein, they did announce the rosters today for the World Championships, and Nick Perbix is on that roster. Yeah, I mean, it was. So. I'll say it was nice watching this this first round. You know, you had Borgen, who's. I mean, I think he played every game for the Kraken this year in the regular I think, season. I think so, and, yeah. and obviously in the, in the playoffs as well, and scored a goal in that Avalanche series. Um, scored a goal before Matt Nice did. That's right. And then with Tampa, you had Asamont, Asamont and Perbix. Um, Asamont scoring a key goal in one of those games, game uh-huh. five. Kind of yep. a cheap goal, but it still was a. And that was after him getting absolutely plastered in was it game one. I will also I have to say, Asamont was really good at those cheap goals. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, so you're yeah. a scorer like that, you get a fair amount of those. Hey, uh, just uh, going back, when you were talking about local guys um, mm-hmm. playing for St. Cloud, do you count Little Falls as well, or no? I think, that... I, I think I would, yeah, because okay. then you have, would have Fessler. Fessler and Hanowski. Um, you'd have Hanowski. So. Uh, Hanowski, yep. Yeah, I think it would see, it's within an hour's radius. Yeah, so at least anyway, north. back to, back yeah. to yeah. about an hour and a half ago. <laughs> just just want to add that in. So, but... <laughs> So yeah, where, yeah, I would say the the Florida series was at least from an entertainment standpoint. That game six, I, you know, the seven to five game or whatever, I thought was a, a real fun game to watch. Um, and yeah, I picked them. I put money on them to beat the Maple Leafs, and that's looking not too bad right now. Um, so so yeah, I'm enjoying the uh, the NHL playoffs. Uh, watching a lot of the. Pretty much all the action. Nice. Uh, we had a request for uh, more Tony Mosey stories, <laughs> which uh, sadly I'm all uh, tapped out. So if anyone has any, please chime in. You know, I I actually saw I saw him coming out of the Miller Center once, which was only notable because if you would have asked me, I don't think I would have figured that Tony Mosey knew where the library was. <laughs> um, I just remember he was also. Maybe this sounds snooty or whatever, but he was like wearing like all sweatpants and like you look like he literally was in his pajamas. Um, were you one of those guys that just dressed up like? Because I, I feel like I'll put I'll put jeans on. I'm not going to put sweatpants on. And go to a class. Is yeah, that, is that too snooty of me? I mean, 
I guess it depends on the time of the class and how drunk I was the night before. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are the two key factors. But usually if I was that drunk the night before, I just didn't go. I mean, it's called that, the Harvard yeah, that was, of the Midwest. For that, that, was, that was my general playbook so, as well. But, but Yeah, that's all I got for my Tony Mosey yeah. uh, stories as well. But uh, yeah, if anyone does have any other... <laughs> I would uh, love other, to hear it. Uh, chestnuts. Yeah. Let us know. Man. God. My, my buddy, uh, Eric Zamora. God, he had a really good story, and I can't remember who it was about. It wasn't uh, It is, wasn't chronic. It was great. It, yeah, it, it wasn't chronic. But uh, apparently he would just always throw in, like, his old dvd of his high school highlight reels and i'll always show that at parties nice <laughs> and he would he would like pretend he's like he was describing plays of how like how good it was but he would hold like an imaginary stick in his hands but he would hold it up at like both hands by his shoulders and, and like pretend he was it's like why are you holding the stick like that it's bizarre anyway that's the story that's Anyway, back to the fish story. Um, <laughs> with a roster next season mostly set, what are your predictions for uh, uh, next season? Who has the most goals and points? Team MVP. Um, well, we've already got Team MVP with Solquist. Yeah, so. I mean, first face off, first. Uh, he's the wire to wire winner. Wire, from yep, the first face off, exactly. and I'm sure he's going to be netting the overtime winner in the national championship game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then again, I will eat all of the crow. Who scores the Who scores the most points as of right now? Who do you think? I bet Sokabi. Um, but I think that, that's the safe money. That's kind of the safe one, yeah. I mean, that would I mean, be like the plus one fifty <laughs> option, right? And there. I think like the plus two fifty option would be like Anhorn. Yeah. And I might put my money on Anhorn. Yeah, I, mean, I almost like those odds better. Um, but that's the thing. I, I, I think he was leading the team in scoring when he got injured. I think that's right. We can, I guess we can probably go back and check, but, uh, but that's, that's not an every year occurrence where a defenseman is your leading scorer. If he, if he is their leading scorer, Anhorn will be a top 10 Hobie. Yeah. I I feel, yeah. Um, and know, I'll also give you another dark horse. I don't know if we mentioned him for MVP, Dominic Bassey. I like that. I think that would be key. Um, as far as like predictions overall, it's I I am really really up in the air when it comes to not only next year's Huskies hockey team. I I love our future. Um, I think this year might be a little bit. Again, I felt this way at the beginning of last year too, that I felt like it would be a little bit of a drop back and, and, you know, we'd fight for and scrap for home ice, which I mean, I guess we did kind of in the end, but you know, I, I thought we'd be on the outside looking at the NCAA tournament. I kind of feel if you ask me right now, we might be, but I think for as much as people say the NCHC took a hit from last year 
two years ago to last year. Now that we can talk about this. I think it's going to be maybe even a bigger hit from last year to this upcoming year. I, I, and I feel like it's going to be very wide open just with all of the moves and um, shakeups that's happening around. And I wouldn't be surprised a lot of ways of how the standings might look um, coming in for next, for, you know, as we continue on for next season. And I don't know where St. Cloud's going to sit in that standing. It's I, I think a lot of these teams are very even with a couple of bottom feeders. I don't see a standout. Even Denver, I don't feel is that much of a standout. No, they they have their question marks too. Yeah, um, for sure. And again, I, we you know we're gonna you know later on we're obviously going to go a lot more in depth about it. Um, yeah, and but, we don't even know who who's all coming yet yeah. too. It's like it's still somewhat in flux. Like we have ideas, but we'll we'll be able to really get a grasp and, and make a good prediction like the September podcast. I'm sure mm-hmm. uh, when we do a season preview, we'll make a really but good I, I, thorough hard prediction that is going to be completely wrong. <laughs> so that I'm going to be, well, we were both right last year. I think we both had them at fourth place. Uh, so we were correct there, yeah. but I, I want to ask you this. I mean, saying that last year you were, you said fourth, which was which was correct, but you also said they would not make the NCAA tournament. Correct. I had, I did say they would make the NCAA's. Um, so, and it took you a bit uh, throughout the year. Uh-huh. Like I, I think we mentioned, like it was like the North Dakota sweep at home. That's kind of when the worm finally turned for you. You became fully sold on this team. Yeah, I was all in at that point. Yeah. Are you feeling again very early? All those caveats. Are you feeling better or worse about this team than you were coming into coming into last year? A little bit better. Okay, um, I, I, I do too. Yeah, a, a little bit better. Um, you think a also, big part of that is goaltending. Is yeah. that it's it's seemingly not as much of a question mark, even though it turned out pretty much aces turned out as good as it could have turned out. I think that we would have ever thought it could have turned out how Castor and Bassey were able to, to split the load last year. And I guess it's a question mark that Bassey hasn't been the number one guy yet. And that's a different responsibility for him. But we know with the sample size that we have from him, I think there is a baseline set of knowing that we're not going to dip below that at least. And I think that, goes a long way to being a little bit more confident about this, this year's, this coming year's team than last year. But I would agree. I think that's I, I, a big part of that too, is, is with who's all returning as well. Like bringing back 30 point players in Okabe and in Yetnan yeah. and, and with Okabe or with um, Anhorn as well. Uh, if those guys weren't coming back, yeah, I don't know where it shake up. But yeah, as you said too, like Western has lost a lot of guys. CC, even though they sort of ended last year on a high note, they had a lot of transfer action from the transfer portal, losing guys there. Um, UMD, you know, a disappointing year last year. And then guys like Howard leave, don't exactly know where they're going to end up. UND, as you mentioned, with like no defense and building that from literal scratch. Omaha, I, I my my gut tells me that last year was a bit of a fluke. Um, so it's, yeah, yeah it, 
this might be as more as wide open as it's ever been. Yeah. Uh, in, in the NCHC, and you know, perhaps I, considering that, I, I'm even more confident because uh, I don't think that the the rest of the league is returning the kind of guys that St. Cloud is. Whereas the others are going to be more dependent on new guys, freshmen, and and transfer additions, and that can always be, uh, I think, a challenge. So. So I guess in, in, in that sense, it, it gives me a little bit more confidence about, uh, about the Huskies. I, I feel that way when it comes to the conference standings and where, you know, we may end up in the conference, but nationally, you know, I mean, if the teams like Omaha or whatnot, they stumble against non-conference, like they seem to always do. Um, you know, or their non-conference, like you said, isn't quite up to par where it doesn't, you know, I don't know. I worry about also the non-conference and how we perform. If we do take a step back, obviously it hurts the non-conference, which is a huge hit to the pairwise, which maybe only two teams get in next year. Well, and as, as these schedules trickle out, Slow common theme trickle. for me, common theme for me is, kind of the Charmin non-conference schedules that the NCHC teams are lining up. Saw Western Michigan, four games against Lindenwood next year, two at home, two, two in Lindenwood. UNO's back at it with scheduling Niagara at home this uh, coming year. Didn't work out for him last year. Probably cost him an NCAA trip. Yeah. See if that works out for him better this year. Miami's non-conference was a mix of, uh, mostly Atlantic hockey teams, uh, and I think Ferris Evans State, um, UMD. I think they had like a Cornell trip in there, so it wasn't. And, and the, the Gophers—they're they're probably maybe the best non-conference schedule that I've seen so far of of the NCHC teams. Um, but that gives you that—that's your margin for error is that much smaller if you dump some of these games then yeah. yeah, not only does that torpedo your own chance, your own team's chance to make the tournament, but kind of creates a ripple effect for the rest of the conference as well, because you can't get fat in the non-conference with quality wins, maybe quantity wins, but not necessarily quality wins. And if you lose a couple of them, you know, then that can really sort of yeah. drive everybody's strength of schedule down. So yeah, I, I was a little disappointed by that uh, and surprised by it as well. So, I mean, we'll talk. Yeah. Uh, we'll yeah. talk more about that as the off season. As it all, yeah, as it all gets finalized. So, um, over under on fish stories. I think so far in this podcast, I think I'm at three or <laughs> four. Several. So, um, in the season, I hope under point five. <laughs> I think, I think I think we're done with the Omaha announcer uh, with that one. Try to get a clip of that. I think I'll still try to clip it anyway. It's you know maybe maybe it's too soon for a Mandela effect, but he didn't actually say anyways back to the fish story. But he there were three or four times where he did say anyways and then went back to his story. So it's like anyways then. Pr- parentheses back to the fish story and parentheses i guess but anyway anyway maybe i'll still get at that clip because i i could use it here for how many times i've switched topics 
Kohuskies uh, Woo, recount two more goals that round out your top three Huskies goals of all time. Um, I can't put Brocklehorst uh, one, two, and three apparently. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna limit it to goals that I've seen live, which I guess we can go back to a Tony Mosey story. Say uh, in the building. In the building. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because that's I I feel would be prudent. And, and we're, I mean, is this a serious question or? Uh, I, I mean, if you can think of, I mean, I don't, talking, I don't, I don't know where Brocklehurst ranks on your list of top Husky goals of all time. Or if you were in the building at that time. I was not at the building at that time. Watch it on TV. Hmm. I don't think that I, I wouldn't use that as like, because we're, we're talking like impactful goals or. Highlight real quality. Well, it's your definition. You make it what you want. Be what you want to be in the world, Andrew. The, the world the pa- is your the paling, the paling between the legs. Were you in the building for that one? In North Dakota. No. Oh. I'm saying that's, that's not part of oh. my criteria. Okay, that's not. Gotcha. Okay, sounds good. I'm just I'm just thinking about best goals. But. Mm-hmm. Cronulla? But then. Uh, Michigan against North Dakota? Mm-hmm. No? Too I have flashy. a hot take. Oh yeah, I'm not that, a huge that, fan of the I remember goals. that. Yeah, I remember that. We no, and that was a sixth goal in a eight to one game. Like, yeah, it, that makes it, it even not better. Move, it did not move the needle at all. Moved... At least, the, like the paling goal was an overtime winner in North Dakota. Was that overtime? Thought so. It was. It was. Maybe it was late in the third. I think it was late in the third. I don't. Think I mean, it was. It was. It was but it was. It was the. I think it, it was, was the game goal. Yeah. It was the, the most important goal of that game. I thought it was overtime, but it was in that 2018 um, yeah, Olympics era that my my brain is fuzzy from that time. So, but um, so as far as just I, again, it, it. I was I was in the building for cut. the Mosey goal. So for the Northern Michigan goal for the yep against Northern Michigan. So. Which yeah, yeah, that was I, I, was in, I, I, guess, was, I was in the I building. I guess I need I need more context. I just say the Mosey goal. Uh, I was in yes. the building for the for the uh, Nick Dowd ping. Oh, against Notre Dame, really? See, that's that's the thing. Like, you, you kind of think about important goals, key important goals. Like, I'm sure there's some goal out there similar, like a paling goal. It's just this dangle, and it's just a highlight reel. It's like I could have made Sports Center that day. Oh, February of 08. I got it. I got my number three. I got my number three. Hit it. In Wisconsin. I was at Wisconsin. Jared Raby oh, scoring to make it two to one. And we end up sweeping Wisconsin oh. for the first time in like forever in Madison. And you were and in then the building. I, and then I was in the building. And then I took to State Street right afterwards and tore up Madison. Went to the old fashioned. Had like five or six there. I was a stumbling fool. Which eh, you're in Madison, so was it the next day or the day before that they smoked him? It's like a five to one game. Five to one was the first game. That was the first game. So this yep. is the second. The game. second that game was, was the Jared Raby. Which Jared Raby? Oh my gosh! My all time <laughs> least favorite Husky. <laughs> I've yell. I yelled at the TV more at his. I cursed his name more than I think any other. Oh my God. He had so much playing time too. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about like, uh, you know, centers, you want centers to be good skaters, but you know, defense is your best scary. This guy couldn't hack it as a skater as like a fourth line grinder type. 
but they put him on the back end. Uh, he he, he went back and forth. He, he, they did a little he bit of Ben story. That's right, and he should he should have he should have stayed at forward. He, he would have. Been I think less, he started uh, a defense. I think annoying they, they put him back at forward because they realized they were like just stay there and just 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 give other people a break. Remember you get into the Motsko. Yeah, you suck at defense. Let's try you up front. That's never a good portal to enter. Um, the we don't know what position Bob Motsko thinks you are portal so <laughs> that's that's never a, a good place to be. <laughs> all right i'm trying to think who was so oh my gosh jared raby was on the top line this game <laughs> okay random box score time Yes. Here we go. We're 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 doing this. So what? We got to like come up 11? with eleven. We got to come up with a sounder. Uh, Two thousand eleven. The eleven twelve season. So this this game this took like, place on February fourth of two thousand twelve. twelve. Well, let me see who those line mates were. Okay. Top line. Top line. I mean, I don't think it was the top it was top line listed. Fessler. Uh, nope. We mentioned him already. Yeah. So like Hanelski, Fessler. So he would have. So college hockey stats has Fessler at third line center. So who did you who did you just say? I said Hanelski and Fessler are, are uh, was was Hanelski correct? Hanelski was the center on the line with Jared Raby. And who would have been on that other side with him? Um, David Eddy. Ooh, that's really close. David Eddie. He's on the team. He right? was. He was second line. Uh, center Nick Dowd yeah, and Joey right Holka was that line. Oh, boy. You would have given me 20 years. I never would have come up with Joey Holka. That is a <laughs> blast from the past. We, we didn't have. So we don't have a fourth right wing. So we must have been scraping the bottom Cam of the Cam Reed still on the team or did he bolt not. to the WHL at nope. this, by this point? Yeah, he bolted um, at this point. I'm I'm bad at remembering who is center and who is wing. Oh, I am too. The redheaded wonder, Corey Thorson. Oh. Good good Thorson Hanowski like and Raby and sure enough Raby gets the game winning goal. <laughs> <laughs> uh so would that have been a Mike Lee start? Ah uh, yes, that was. And yeah, who would have been the top D pair? Um, uh, Jensen, Jensen, and would have been in that time period. It's going to be someone random, like no, uh, it's Lord, a, not Lordson. No, um, it's it's a you can make a debate. Maybe not a debate, but I I would say if you pick like the top. 10 Husky defense of all time. His name's on it. And we're not talking about Nick Jensen. I mean, we're talking about him too. His name's on that list too. Yeah, I would definitely put him in the top 10. But who else would have been in that? So you're, you're telling me that this is like some obvious um, prowl. Nope. I think that'd have been too early for him. Yeah, I think it was. <sighs> Minnesota 12. From Minnetonka? Well, not Schultz. 
This is I'm gonna be kicking myself here. Yeah, I think why am I blanking be. on Do you want his initials? I'll wow. give you a hint. You're very familiar with his first name. Oh, uh Prokno. There you go. Yeah. Yep. You think he put him in the top ten? Yeah. I think yeah, he's close. Yeah, yeah. I would put him. I, I I guess I wouldn't I would have to list out all the D. Which certainly top I fifteen. Guess... I, I I guess if we want to make the announcement for uh, our our probable uh, yeah, future podcast, if, if we can do that right now, um, we are planning a Huskies draft, um, all-time Husky All-time player. draft. All-time draft. Uh, we're going to pick uh, three forwards, two goalies, or two defensemen and a goalie. Uh, snake draft. We're going to have four people. We're going to have two guests on the show. Uh, and we're going to go through all uh, the players we're going to draft. We're going to debate who has the best team uh, fans. You're going to get a vote. I don't know how the Jeff finger wild card is going to go, what round he's going to go in. Stay tuned, find out. But uh, yeah. So right now uh, what we have scheduled um, uh, right now, a uh, card subject to change, as they say in wrestling, obviously Andrew and myself, uh, but we're going to have uh uh, Eric, Team Euro Disney on Twitter, uh, who works right now for the Norsemen, um, one of my college hockey, you know, buddies from college that, uh, you know, we've gone to road trips together. We were, um, we were in Madison uh, for that one, so um, for the uh, Jared Raby goal, so he would probably agree. That's right. Um, and obviously, the Husky legend himself, Go Huskies Woo, uh, will be. Uh, the fourth member. So it's going to be a fun uh, little draft, all time Huskies. And uh, yeah, maybe I'm tipping my hand too early, but uh, maybe, man, I, I would put Procno on that list for defensemen. He might be. This is the first. On my parents. This is the first that you're mentioning. It's just going to be three forwards, two D, and one goalie. Um, now I know, I mean, we're at 230 right now. Uh, maybe put like two lines of forwards. The thing know. is, I don't want the podcast to go five hours. <laughs> and well, I feel like with discussion, I, too. That is a decent. That's what I'm saying. That was a decent. Yeah. So times four. So, yeah, 24 players total. Yeah, I, that'll, that, that should be enough. <laughs> I, I think that, that that'll do. Yeah. So I didn't want to go too far into it. Um uh, so yeah, just one. Line. Gonna, all right, so now I got to think about it. one line. I, I also thought about maybe having like an extra skater too, or if you want to put like an extra forward or an extra defense or an extra goalie, I guess if you wanted. But I felt like just keep it simple, just one line for every every uh, entrant, and, and we'll go from there. So that's in the works. I like it, and I, I think that'll be a fun fun little show. Who knows? Joey Holcomb might get drafted. That's right. So, that is correct. So. Uh, yeah, so uh, Prokno and Jensen was the was a pairing. Uh, Gravel and Taylor Johnson, Ooh. Ooh. and then uh, t- uh, Tim Daly, obviously the uh, the from, big star from Wings, from Wings. Yep. and uh, Sam Zabkowitz. Wow! So yep, two to one victory. Mike Lee with the Zabkowitz would have been doing a homecoming tour there. I think mm-hmm. he's from Madison. I know he's from Wisconsin, but. Uh... Yeah, that's how f- soon you forget. Like, I, I haven't heard the name Sam Zapquitz in 10 plus years. And he was like an integral part of that team for like, whatever, three, four years. 
I used to have hot takes about Sam Zakowitz and I, that I even forget now. <laughs> that's that's I, I miss it. But I, fun little era of, of Husky hockey. He's from Greendale, Wisconsin. So just outside of, uh, or it's in Milwaukee County. It's part of the oh. Milwaukee. I'm sorry, Milwaukee. Oh, oh. Sorry for Algonquin um, for the good land. Uh, for lumping him in with all the Madison people. He's uh, Milwaukee mm-hmm. suburbs. So, yes. And the only major U.S. city to elect three socialist mayors. And what was it? The more, It's got the more... The, more vowels than consonants in its name. The, no, that was a trivia question you had. That was, but it wasn't Milwaukee. Or no, it was Albuquerque. Albuquerque. But he, some, somehow you brought up Milwaukee, or maybe I guessed it or something. I think you guessed uh, it, which was a it was a good. It guess. was a decent guess. Yeah, it was yeah. And then I, I went into the more... same Wayne's World spiel because, of and course then the socialist was... governors. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Now it's all coming back. Mayors. I don't think Wisconsin is ever oh, yeah, a yeah, socialist yeah, government. You, yeah, you get it. <laughs> so, anyway, that was uh, random. So let's back to the uh, back to the questions. Uh, what will the team need to do with a whole bunch of baby centers? Um, Sulquist is really going to have to step up. What are the odds Sulquist gets a letter next year? Oh man, I'm going to cry. Pretty good. God, I'm going to cry. He will, won't he? That's up to the players, though, right? That's Here's the thing, the coaching is, staff. like, I don't even hate Solquist or his game or anything along those lines. So it's this weird, like, I drag him a lot, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's more it's of the, the fault of Larson at this point. It's the Nick Punto. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, you know, Punto's a fine player. As God, Solquist is the Punto of this Husky hockey era. Yes, but when you put Nick Punto as your everyday 155 game shortstop. That's just too much. God, um, I went on a date. Less is more. Yeah, I had a crush on a girl in college who, God, her favorite player was Nick Punto. Oh, just, my God. Yeah, right? I, I hate her just <laughs> by association. Shocker, it didn't work out. But anyway. There's I, sh- I, should, I shouldn't say that. She's still a lovely person. But, yeah, it did. Very short, very good story, but I'm going to condense it to five seconds. There was Nick Punto at an airport oh, God. yelling to the person behind the counter, do you know who I am? Shot. One of those. Oh, <laughs> he did not. <laughs> I'll tell you the whole story after the show. Oh, it's good. Wow. That is ridiculous. That's only, that's the only good part of the story you need to know, but yeah, I, that's, yeah. That's or no, it was that's actually, there's, there's one other good part because that's everything. So I they lost his luggage. They lost his luggage and he had like his equipment bag. And for some reason, he was flying commercial. This must have been like after the season. Um, but, and the the guy behind the counter didn't really, obviously he didn't know who Nick Punto was and he's not really much of a Weird. sports fan. So when he does like the, do you know who I am? He goes, sir, like your soft, we'll have your softball equipment to you shortly. Like that was his way. To, and that, that drove him up the wall even more. Um, so uh just the idea of of him saying that, yelling that at some random United employee uh, makes me chuckle. God, if you listen to two hours and 40-ish minutes of this podcast just to get to that part, I think it's worth it. <laughs> you didn't. We didn't have too many Tony, Tony Mosey stories, but we had a yeah, Nick Puto story. A Nick Puto story. <laughs> 
I guess the other option would have been, do you know who I am? Yeah, I do. And I'm not happy about <laughs> yeah, it. And I don't like your buck 86 batting average. <laughs> oh, man. And what what year was this? What twins year was this? Were they? It would have been, a, you know, it would have like been were... during his twins tenure. So late 2000s, probably late aughts. Around that era, I don't know exactly what. Because they did have some decent seasons in there yet, right? So well, yeah, I mean, he was like one of the main piranhas God. of that 06 year. Uh, um, and then I think it was the next year they decided, hey, this is we'll roll this even back better and give him a, a raise, a salary bump, and give him the starting and shortstop job. And he literally hit like 204 with no power, yeah, no uh, walks. Um, uh, well, we see more and more new schools added to D1 landscape. We talked about that a little bit. Thank you for that question. Um, how will starting a new season affect UConn's pairwise? Still in the tank. What a, what a ball that was. Um, uh, Brian Moe's last question. I should ask him, is it Moe's or Moose? I should ask. It's him. person. <laughs> it's right back to the pronunciation uh anyway uh how many uh points will Thorsten score in the ushl this year uh that's does does cory thorson still have ushl oh my god did i really say cory thorson no, you you said Thorson, and oh, I was going along with a bit because okay. we brought him up. Oh, I because it I was a joke. Not... It was an attempt at humor. No, because I thought I I actually said Corey because it was actually in my head not to say Corey Thorson. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry to oh, throw you off. Yeah, so you, uh, that's why you kind of threw me off. I was like, oh man, I did, didn't I? But no. No. Yeah. Well, we were trying to think like how many games they play in the U. How many times am I going to screw? Do you think Jim Rich will screw that up in the play-by-play too? When he he, he, he might. I don't know he if he did. The well might. Did he call any of the games at, in the Corey Thorson era? I think so. He's been there for like ten years. I think. I think that spans. Gets back into that era a little bit. He might. The only way that he'll certainly get uh, tripped up is if. Thorson has anything to do with the overtime rules <laughs> because then he will get tripped up. And yeah, that's, that'll be confusing. So. But yeah. How, so how many games they play in the SHL? We're thinking like 60, 70 in that range. I think so. Somewhere. Whatever it is. I'll keep it simple. And I'll say, let's look at point per game. Yeah. That's, like, I, I think he would hover. And maybe even, that. maybe like a tick more like 1.05 points per game. I will say as my, yeah, I don't because he's basically know. doing that right now, and that's as an 18 year old, uh, and that's taking you know, that's straddling the USHL season and playing a high school season in between. If he has a full year, um, uninterrupted, a year older, presumably a little bit bigger, uh, yeah, I think he could dominate that league so. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So he, he's on Waterloo. And like so much of that also point per game and, you know, is how good Waterloo is going mm-hmm. to be. How good his line is. Yeah, it is, it's, it is a bit um, fickle as far as it, it can depend on your, your, your situation, but. But yeah, if really it's around. Adapting I, pretty well so far. Yeah. Yeah. 
And if I'm around a point per game, obviously I'm going to be ecstatic. So that's what I'm kind of shooting for. Yeah, and we should have. I'm shooting I mean, for like I can do anything about it. <laughs> I'm I'm intrigued too. I know, I don't know on air production meeting, but I, you know, we're talking about some of these prospects and and some of their draft status or potential for getting drafted. Let me see if you know if we could do something like that. The draft is I think in July, typically. Yeah. Yeah, after the Stanley Cup. So, um, put a pin in that. Maybe we can have like a draft expert on. Uh, See, uh, see either predict says. like where they're going or maybe after the draft and sort of do some analysis. Yeah. That'd, that'd be a good one. Cause I think, I think we're going to have a couple of these recruits are going to get drafted. I think. Yeah. The thing I worry about, obviously though, with, you know, with, with Thorson, he's listed at five, eight, one fifty four. So that's where, you know, you're saying getting a little bit bigger. That's, I think that would be key. So, Yeah. Eat those magic beans, uh, and uh, just not the uh, not the um, Dryden McKay magic beans, but <laughs> the FDA approved ones. Right, exactly. So. Well, that about does her. Uh, that about does her. Jeez, maybe three hour. Maybe we should it's have a short this podcast one. a little more often during even during the off season. Well, no, this this anyway. this is basically think of it as four podcasts. Oh, there you go. Because uh, this is your May one, May podcast. One and a quarter podcast, actually. But um yeah. Thank everybody for listening. <laughs> I'm I'm uh, more clappers, M-O-A-R more clappers. Andrew, you can reach him via email at uh you can reach me at Huskies Hockey Podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. Perfect. And that's Huskies. Huskies. Right? Sounds good. And until next time, go Huskies. Woo! Woo!